Hello. During this episode of STCTP, listen out for bad edits. Somewhere near the end of editing this one, I made a minor cut to one little clip without realising that some shortcut I'd apparently accidentally hit had selected everything prior to that point, meaning that I basically wiped out around 80% of the episode. Uh, hopefully my efforts to rebuild it last minute have succeeded and you won't notice a thing, but if you do, that's why! Boomers, it's another fortnight, it's another episode of the podcast that yanks you bodily into the 90s and forces you to come to terms with the fact that Sonic the Hedgehog, and by extension the whole world, has been completely reimagined since then, even though everything was already perfect and we did not have to pay bills. We are your Humes who think we're in charge. I'm Dave Bulmer. And I'm Chris McFeely. Uh, we're here with issue number 75 of <laughs> Sonic the Comic. Yes, well mentioned, yes. Paying bills, that'll really get you. That gets me right there, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the times before bills? Do you remember when theme tunes had saxophones in them? <laughs> Do you remember theme tunes? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think we've started off on a bad foot there. <laughs> it's the UK's official Sega comic starring Sonic the Hedgehog. It says across the top, plus Knuckles, Tails, Shining Force, an Echo Q-Zone this issue, and a bad Nick pinup. That's all secreted away up in that little black and red drop-down menu-style box up in the top right corner, because the whole cover yeah. is taken up with a very momentous image. Very, very important. The new Sonic story within, yeah. and across the bottom of the cover, Dave, what does that say? Sonic Groom. Sonic Groom. Sonic Groom. Because the picture today is of Sonic having swept, of course, who else? Amy Rose. Off her feet... And she is... I, I, I can't... Is she, do you think... She, is she distributing those? I can't tell. There is a big... He's speeding along with her in his arms. And he's got little bow tie on. They've got married. It's funny. Like, the Sonic Groom, the implication is that they have got married. He's got yes. a little dicky bow on. But she's just in her tartan skirt. And she's wearing a black t-shirt with a ring on it. They didn't put her in a wedding dress or anything. Uh, but, and what she's doing is she's... Her arm is flipping round. And out of it is coming this great spray of not just wedding confetti, but what I believe actually is wedding confetti that I think has been strewn on the page. I think so. We've, we have established that Carl Flint, who this cover is by, of course, uh-huh. does like a bit of the old multimedia. Arts and crafts, yeah. Yeah. He's got so his little scissors out. They could be bits of confetti. They could be little stamps. It's hard to tell. But yeah, I think little... it's real confetti because it's slightly see-through and some of them are a bit ripped or folded over. I think it's real. <laughs> I can't tell, as I say, though, if, if Amy's supposed to be, mm. you know, tossing it or if it's just supposed to be zooming along in Sonic's wake. Yes, for all we know, it might not have been Carl Flint who added those to the picture. Oh no, I'm almost <laughs> 100% sure it was. It's just that I hadn't thought of them as real confetti before now, mm. but I think you're right, they probably are because of the way they overlap they the overlap. line art. Which creates the idea that they're coming out of Amy Sandwin, when I think mm. they're probably supposed to be a trail. But right, yeah, they're right. wi- little horseshoes and hearts and flowers and bows and bells. Yeah. So... What on earth, Dave, could this be about? I mean, no, because cause this issue is cover dated April 12th. Yes. But, but it was released on March 30th. Oh, that's irrelevant. No, this is, of course, the famous issue that everybody yes, remembers. This is the wedding issue. Uh, yes. The wedding issue of STC. What could it be? Perhaps we should open up and find out. Let's see. Maybe the control zone will, will tell us because they didn't tease this last issue, <laughs> did they? No, why not? Weird. Control zone. 
Jesus Christ! The Megadroid doesn't even get to go first in the controls, no. and there's some news here. It's because it's so important. even more important than Megadroid. Way newest, more important. It's the newest character to join Sonic's world, Dave. Yeah, very important. A fluffy first. It's Chickles. It's it's Chickles the chicken, I guess. Chickle, chi- it's Chickles, yeah, yeah. Sounds like Knuckles, yeah. Out of all the years when we used to read the comics with Chickles in, I never really stopped to think what species he was. Because it's ambiguous, isn't it? Because he's from space, really. Yes. Meet Sonic's new feathery friend, Chickles. Chickles. In the Nest Egg edition of STC. <laughs> nest like a bird's nest. <laughs> I did a double take when I hit that line, honestly. I thought they had typoed next. I just written nest. The Nest Egg edition. <laughs> the Freedom Fighters are put in a scramble when a strange alien egg lands in the Mushroom Omelette Zone. Chickles stuns Badniks with his power packs, and Dr. Robotnik gets up to his usual <laughs> foul deeds. Foul deeds. Oh, a foul like a bird! It's a foul! <laughs> well, yeah, looking forward to that next issue. That's an episode that we've been looking forward to for, for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> It's an April Fool! It's not real! They tricked us! We've been bamboozled! Megadroid just launches in below April Fool! (laughs) I tried to stop them, but the humes who think they're in charge thought they'd try and catch you out with the spoof front cover devastated Sun Amy fans everywhere (laughs) and character above. I know you weren't really fooled, so let's just humour them. This is my analysis of this. Chickles, not even weird enough to be an April Fool. Like, there's no reason why that wouldn't happen in STC or indeed in Sonic, that there would be a chicken called Chickles, that's fine. An alien chicken? I guess, but like... came out of an egg from space? I mean, where did Shadow come from, you know? Oh, yeah, but Shadow hadn't happened yet. That's true. You're just viewing that in hindsight. That is true. Um, Like, for goodness sake, he's specifically been called Chickles... And we, we didn't mention the piece of rubbish clip art that's been put together. Oh, yeah. To oh, we should have done it, really. Which is a little bird head popping out of a, an egg. Well, yeah. it's exactly what it's, it's what you're imagining. A crap flying saucer in the background. Yeah. And it, and it looks a bit like a sonic bird head it type does. person. It looks a bit like the red flicky that we're going to get later on in but, the game. Yeah. But... I actually think the front cover is a genuinely good April Fool's prestige. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good one, yeah. If they hadn't doubled down on it with Chickles, yeah. honestly, I think that yeah. the cover itself, there's no indication on the cover. At all. Uh, it's not unusual for the cover to contain sort of strange and unusual imagery anyway, yeah. or to mislead you in some way. Like, the, the remember the, the Tonic cover, whenever Brown Sonic was running alongside Amy, for instance? Yes. Or to just include unusual imagery, like the gold Sonic statuette on issue 50 yeah. or something like that, you know? But this one seems to quite explicitly say that Sonic and Amy are getting married this issue and yeah. and th- and that's their front cover like that's what they're selling the comic with you can imagine mm-hmm. that they would have not wanted to to put it there and would instead have put it in the control zone so no bra- brave good points to that cover being used i think shickles load of rubbish so didn't need yeah. to do that what's the point of that <laughs> i did they run out of content and needed to put something on the inside front cover <laughs> one or the other and in this case, it should have just been the cover, you know, if we were doing one of the... Yeah. yeah. But uh, the puns don't stop there, unfortunately. Of course not. It's a control zone. <laughs> this issue is also a cracking Easter egg extravaganza. Mm-hmm, so like be warned, egg. there's cheap 
C-H-E-E-P, yeah. like a bird's cheap. Yeah, yeah. Yolks. Yolks, like, like the yolk of an egg, egg like yeah. a bird's egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't believe me? Well, there's an egg-cellent, complete Sonic story. Knuckles and Captain Plunder have a non-egg-spected surprise. <laughs> egg. The new Shining Force comes together in part three of the egg exceedingly good series. Plus, it's out of the frying pan and into the fire for tails. Fry, egg. fry an egg. Fry, like you'd fry, fry an egg, like a bird's egg. Frying pan. Egg. There's also some of your egg, egg exceptional drawings. A hoppening. That one's not bad. A hoppening. I mean, just for the variation, it's not bad. A hoppening splat's bad. You'd think they'd maybe lean into the rabbit theme, which is obviously why they've included it this issue, but. And an ego, I mean echo uh, in the Tides of Time Q Zone special. I'm I'm so tired. <laughs> uh, I'll do the last line then. I must exit now. Uh, but remember, keep reading STC. You know you can't beat it. That one's all beat right. Beat it like an egg, yeah. like a bird's egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smokey and the Badnik, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Ellie DeVille. On the trail of a rogue Badnik in the Metropolis Zone, Sonic is shocked to find that a young boy named Smokey has befriended the robot. Our hedgehog hero is faced with a choice. Must all Badniks be destroyed without exception? Or can a robot change its programming? This isn't nice enough, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's a, a cute it's a little, little one-off. One it's a little bit of Nigel and Richard packaged up. It's not part of a bigger thing, so it gets to just be its own thing. Long time since we've seen something like that. Like mm -hmm. Kitching and Elson just delivering a little one-part bit of fluff. Yeah, and it's, I think it's quite... No, I think it's lovely. It's um, yeah. So the badnik in question, did you already name it? What kind of badnik is it? I didn't name it. It's a roller, one of those ones from the Spring Yard mm. Zone, the armadillo-themed one. Oh, is that what they are? And Richard has kind of bulked it up. It looks like mm. quite a hefty sort of a thing. You can it's imagine. much rounder. Yes, you can imagine it walking like it's from a 60s or 70s film. There's a little guy in it and it waddles back and forth. It's got that yeah. weight to it, like the ones in Silent Running. It's got that kind of look to it. I like the way it starts because it gives you this idea of the Metropolis Zone as having been conquered rather than being something that Robotnik built, which I think has always been the case in STC. But to the, the fact that this kid goes to a leisure centre and goes, oh, I used to come swimming here every Saturday... I can't think of a better way possible for a children's comic to be like, this town used to be normal yeah. than something like that. Because, yeah, I used to come swimming here. Yeah, so-and-so had a party here. Like it's On a Saturday, the day the comic is released, mm. you know, when there was every chance that a kid was getting this as he was coming home from going swimming or yes. getting it before going swimming that afternoon. That, do you know, it's a very on the way home from going swimming sort of a comic actually isn't it yeah I, I must have done that myself certainly i know that we used to wednesday was swimming night for a while in our family so i wonder if there was ever a crossover did you used to go swimming regularly is that do people still do that i don't know i could not tell you when i last swam yeah wouldn't have gone regularly not once a week type thing no but you know certainly plenty of times no, yeah we did we had because the you know just sort of round the corner from us there was this little leisure center and we used to go there that was right around the corner we had to go for a bridge to get to ours you know? <laughs> and it was unadorned there wasn't any it was just an, an empty pool there was no slides or anything fun ah. like that so to me swimming is very connected with certain things being on telly and certain things going in my gob. Wednesday was also fish and chip <laughs> night in our house, you see. So you come home smelling of chlorine, crackly hair, fish and chips. 
Star Trek or whatever. So anyway, yeah, yeah. the strip. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's a cute one. There's not much to say. It's a slightly odd shape. It starts with Smokey narrating and we see him sneak into this abandoned leisure centre where this roller badnik is hiding and it turns out he's made friends with this badnik. And then Sonic hears something, goes off to investigate. And our first shot of Sonic is Smokey looking up at him a little scared mm-hmm. as Sonic appears in shadow with his big angry eyes and clenched yeah. teeth peering out of the shadows. And he said, it's me, Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm on the trail of a badnik. You seen anything? And then, isn't this, isn't this drawn at the top of page three just? <laughs> oh, isn't it just uh, great? Yeah, yeah. Where a, a whole platoon of trooper badniks appear and train their guns on Sonic. Stay where you are. It's really from a Sonic and Smokey's eye view. You know, they really look big again. I think I think we've got used to Trooper Badniks and here's the Elson Trooper Badniks again. The really big ones that tower up above you. And they look great. And there's no background. Mm, like, there's right, a, yeah. There are three panels down in the bottom half of the page, but this is basically the full top half of the page. And they're all just sort of sitting on top of the other panels below them. There's something about the absence of background. It's just the empty white gutter space something about that just really is doing it for me on this particular panel i think what it does is it emphasizes the troopers because they make the outline of the panel essentially mm. it yeah, follows sonic it. and smoky are entirely yeah underneath and within their outline yeah. right there yeah so the silhouette of the top of the page is of these soldiers which yes it really makes them more intimidating in a way where i don't think i would have thought to do that i think i would have put a panel around it if i was drawing it but I would have been wrong, because imagine a panel around that. It it spoils it. Yeah, and you notice how all the guns are different, too? Oh, yes. Just, so just no reason for them to be? Could have yeah. just drawn the same gun three times and it would have been fine and nobody would have complained, but he just did three different guns just because he could? Because yeah. that's the kind of man he is. <laughs> yes, I don't know whether he's being generous to us or whether he's just having more fun. I don't know whether that drawing three guns rather than one three times counts as more fun or not. But either way, he was right to do it. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Six of one, half dozen of the other. Look at that one there on the far right where he holds it by a handle underneath and he's got a oh, handle yeah. on the side of it. To... That's the so he has. But then Smokey runs, Sonic tells him to run, and it's like Smokey is still our POV character, Smokey runs away, so we just hear the shots and see them flare in the background as Smokey runs back to the badnik. Mm. But then, there is kind of a a perspective shift in the story after that point, where we change over to Sonic as he comes out of the hall, turns and stares in shock as he sees Smokey beside the roller. And he tells him to back away from it, but then one surviving trooper rounds the corner, opens fire before the issue can be pressed. Yes, because Sonic's going to destroy the badnik, but he's interrupted by this guy rounding the corner, isn't he? It sprays the corridor with fire. Oh, look at how he's drawn that! He's got... Oh, look at that! So he's got... The trooper is... He's pointing his gun in a particular direction, but the the spray, it's like a... How do we describe this? It's like a motion arc with little muzzle flashes along this arc to show you that it's kind of swept left and right, perhaps slightly out of control. Just brrr. Automatic fire. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's an effect I've seen in comics many times. So, yeah, sure. But, but, yeah. but it's good. <laughs> it's good. So the roller, the badnik, grabs Smokey and opens its mouth and just pulls him inside mm. to shield him against the bullets while Sonic spacks the, uh, <laughs> the trooper. But it's a weird perspective shift because we can be pretty sure personally about what's happening here. All, all Sonic sees yeah. is, uh-oh, the badnik got the kid and sees him yeah. sees him eating him in the manner badniks do, you know, pulling yeah. an organic battery inside their body. 
And then for these couple of pages, the perspective has turned around to Sonic suddenly in what yeah. doesn't feel like like an intentional way the story is turned around. It just is now suddenly instead of being like a storytelling device. Yes, it's not. The first page isn't any kind of intro or prequel to the rest of the story because it is interrupted halfway through by the appearance of Sonic and the camera kind of seems to switch to him mm. gradually and organically as that goes on. It's not a switch. There's no, this is the end of Smokey's bit, now here is the start of Sonic's bit, Rashomon-style events being shown from two different angles or anything like that. It's just suddenly the story stops being told from Smokey's POV. Then Sonic goes in to smash the Badnik, but Smokey pops out and says, Stop! The Badnik was trying to protect me. He's my friend. No way. Nobody knows Badniks like I do. They're a menace. And Smokey says, I'm not moving. If you want to destroy my friend, you'll have to go through me. It's your choice. And we end the scene on a big close-up of mm. Sonic going, and deciding what he's going to do. Having to think, yeah. And then... We cut to the last page, which is set the next morning, where we're back mm. seeing things from Smokey's perspective again, where uh, two troopers question him about trying to recover a missing Badnik. They've heard he may know something. Smokey admits, yes, he did know something. The Badnik was his best friend, but you don't have to worry about him anymore. Sonic smashed him. Said all Badniks had to be destroyed. No exceptions. The troopers leave. Yeah, he's so sad. He's a little, by the way, he's a little, he's almost not out of, Sonic, he's a bit too cute for that. He's like a, he's got a little cap and stripes. He's top. like a stuffed animal, and he's got little black marble eyes, like a stuffed bear's kind of eyes. But the troopers leave, and he says, "It's okay, you can come out now." And the roller comes out because it turns out Sonic let it live after all. A happy ending. Yes, I was surprised that at no point do we find out why this badnik's not evil. Right? Yeah. Like I'm not down on the story. It's a no. cute little bit of silliness, yeah. but it does feel like it's not quite hitting all the beats that you would expect a story about this sort of thing to hit. Like, I could definitely imagine the uh, the 22-minute cartoon version of this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That shows you where the bad Nick came from and how it got damaged and made friends with Smokey, you know. Yes, it makes you wonder, because what this story implies is that bad Nicks are people. and Well, that's the thing. <laughs> We've been reading this comic since issue one, so we know that before, no, not even, but that up to a point, uh -huh. they always were. Mm. No, Many yeah. stories in the past have shown Badniks as being intelligent, mm. prone to puns, not fond of take that. Yeah. Uh, quite into flowers. They, they'll chat with each other. They're just, they're baddies. They're soldiers. They're grunts. Goons. Yeah. But I think it's safe to say that up till now Nigel Kitching's treatment of Badniks is that they are shells. They're just machines. I was gonna say that, but then I remembered that Aquas from the Superson. Now, obviously that is way back. Okay, that is yeah. issue seven. Yeah. But that was a classic Badnik that was all frying tonight. Oh yeah, that's true kind of, actually. You yeah. know. Now, I can't think of another example of hand. Uh -huh. So I, I do feel like maybe that is a position Kitching has phased out mm -hmm. of his writing and that you're right when you describe his treatment of them that the troopers are the intelligent speaking goons mm, yeah. and the classic badniks are just animals, animal yeah. robots as just it were. You know, they, 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 yeah. Because we end on the comedy beat of Smokey asking the badnik, so what do you want to do today? And it says I don't mind. And then we hey I never knew you could talk you never asked. <laughs> the end. <laughs> As they walk off into the sunrise yeah. together. <laughs> I wish we'd have seen them again. I don't think we do, do we? I doubt it. I don't know, but I doubt because it. This, because imagine if this was a Lou Stringer strip. 
we would know oh, that yeah, now. Oh, yeah, we would have brought these guys back, back. And, 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 like, and like Smokey would have grown up a few... He'd come back a few yeah. years later, Smokey would have grown up, and he'd be riding around inside the Badnik, and they'd be kicking <laughs> ass. You know, yeah. that's where that would have gone if Lou Stringer had written that. Yeah. Next time someone does a, you know, tell me six Sonic fan characters to draw, I'm going to put Smokey in the Badnik. Yeah, that's right. But, but, like, the ten years on version where Smokey became, like, a cut, hunky 20-something, <laughs> and he's got his Badnik battle armor, it's like... You know, like when Jake the dog forms a suit around Finn in Adventure Time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Smokey the Bandit. Really, really good potential characters there, and it's a kind of a shame that they yeah. that they didn't. It's a cute little strip that simply doesn't feel like it ticks all the boxes of what it is. Right. To me. I really want to know about this. I want to know what happened with this Bandit. Why is it good? Why is this Badnik good? Did it just befriend him? Is it more of an Iron Giant situation where yeah. it conked its head? You know, it's the Iron Giant from the outside. The story, I mean. Yeah. It's like, we don't we don't see how it happened. And, and instead we have this perspective flip where we see things from Sonic's POV for two or three pages instead of maybe taking the time to flesh that bit out a little more. It's funny, we don't get any more narrative captions from Smokey after the first page where they mm. seem like they would have been the perfect device to finish fleshing out know, yeah. that aspect of the story even in the panels where we're focusing solely on sonic we could have had a Smokey's eye view narration through captions yeah. to frame sonic in an unusual way a normal civilian's eye view of who and what sonic is and what he represents in this story is kind of a, a, an antagonistic force anyway so you know an unusual role for sonic to take in his own strip um, and, you know, they could have explained how Smokey met the Badnik, yeah. yeah. I, I feel bad criticising it and picking it apart and writing a better version of it in my head because it's just a bit <laughs> of cute fluff, but it's a little bit less than the sum of its parts, I think. All right, STCO, get in touch with us. We're going to write you some Smokey the Badnik scripts. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I did wonder whether I needed to know about the film Smokey and the Bandit to to fully appreciate this. Uh, no, it seems to be it is nothing to do. Yeah, literally just upon there is no connection to the story. Did you spot the graffiti on the leisure center in the first? Cragsy was here. He was here. Yeah, that is an in joke that I imagine Rich put to make Nigel laugh or something. I don't know because as I understand it, Crags is Nigel Kitching's middle name. Uh... Nigel Craggs Kitching. I don't know. I've never heard of anybody else called Craggs. I don't know if it... It sounded like a, a reference to 2008 or something. Craggsy was here. Craggsy sounds like a punk Judge Dredd picked up for defacing something with graffiti once. You know? I think it's a family thing. I think that for generations there's been Craggses in the Kitching family. I don't know how many generations we're talking about, though. That's the thing. I don't know if it's, like, started with Nigel or, <laughs> or if it went back to his great great great-grandfather or what it is i don't know next issue the big decision oh look at that nice little end there a little fluttery bit of paper a little bit a little bit of litter blows past in the bottom right it says end would have been nice to have a wee end at the end of the return of chaos <laughs> you're never it's gonna been three issues <laughs> still mad about so it. About it. like you'll put a the end at the end of this right but you won't put it at the end of literally the biggest... Okay, right, moving on. <laughs> graphic Zone. It's an Easter graphic zone. They didn't give it a funny name no, this they time. Haven't. Not a... Not what a could they have called it? Graph Egg Zone, like a bird's egg or anything like that. Egg, I don't know. I don't think that would have worked. No, it's a pushing it, yeah. What is it? I mean, but well, they don't generally do puns anyway. They just call it Easter Zone or 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 Egg, egg Zone. <laughs> 
chocolate zone. There's not very many satisfying ones that you could have done, is there? Satisfying collection of drawings of eggs and bunnies, though. I mean, that's it. Everybody is either an egg or rabbit. It's pretty straightforward stuff here again. It's 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 one of those times where all the kids were, you know, hooked into the morphic field and all decided to, <laughs> to do the same thing independently, but unsurprisingly. Yep. Tracy Hawken starts us off. The caption is, I'm all ears. It's Sonic. In, oh, now, this is, now, this deviates from the norm in STC because normally people send in Sonic, who in this instance, for whatever reason, is a rabbit. But in this one, he's in a rabbit costume. Yes, actively. Yes, he has put that on. You can see the buttons. Wearing a big brown costume. He's got his face poking out the face hole. And he's striking his usual pose with his hand on his hip and he's tapping a foot, but it something about it makes it look, I don't know, extra jaunty. <laughs> and, uh, and he looks sort of small and sad as he looks up at you with his big round O mouth. As he holds an egg, it's almost a please, sir, I want some more, holding an Easter egg, isn't it? I was thinking surprised, but I can see sad you know what I mean? small. <laughs> yeah, and he's holding out a, a, an Easter egg with a ribbon around it. That's a, a piece of Easter egg imagery that I agree is Easter egg imagery, but I don't know that I've ever seen. That you've never experienced in your life. I've not no. seen a wrapped Easter egg ever. Not the only time it's on this page. Like, Well, I suppose I have, because they're all wrapped, wrapped in, in foil, foil when you get yeah. that. Yeah, but uh, I suppose in an Easter egg hunt, perhaps you would wrap them so that they don't get all grass in the chocolate. They'd just be wrapped in foil still. Well, I'm imagining that the tradition goes from before foil, you know. I'm... That's true. But yes, I don't know probably, if it's true. That's probably where it comes from. Because they wouldn't have been chocolate eggs then, would they? They'd have just been eggs. That's true, yeah. What did they... What was What was this? Where did Easter egg cunts no. come from? Sorry, let me pronounce that better. Where did Easter eggs come from? I don't know. Like, <laughs> and who let them in here? <laughs> where did Easter egg hunts come from in the first place i don't know and i haven't done the research so we're not about to have a big deviation no, i mean i'm sure there's an answer for it but yes. but you know I, i'm pretty sure that we still don't really know why eggs are associated with easter beyond the general spring theme of uh, it'll be that wouldn't it I bet new life and birth and that that would be when it was i bet all the eggs came out then our lord was not birthed from an egg up there on the cross decorating eggs no know? but do you remember when our lord was crucified and then he went into a big egg, and then his two hands punched out, <laughs> and he came out in the new form of, I don't know, a ghost Jesus or whatever. And he was like, there you go. <laughs> Do you remember? Came back uh, in the new design they created for that animated series, yeah. The Adventures of Jesus the Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of emerging from eggs, Ryan Fish. Has Where he gone... was voiced by Long John Baldry. <laughs> Sorry. Ryan Fish from Leicester has drawn one of Robotnik hatching from an egg, but I love not this. in the same way as the original egg hatching from way back when. No, this is brilliant. He's bursting out of a big green, a big Yoshi, Yoshi egg, egg, yeah. Honestly, a big white and green spotted egg, yeah. And he's got one foot in either half of it, and he's got such a little look on his face, hasn't he? He's, ta-da, here he is. I'm Dr. Robotnik. It's me. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, And he's got an Orbinaut. What's coming out of the... What, what Orbinaut is that? Oh, he's got eggs. It's got, it's got eggs. Easter eggs. It's an Orbinaut it's got with... four Easter eggs! Yeah, oh, it's an Orbinaut with eggs instead nice of spiky one. balls. Oh, and then off to the great. right, there's a Coconuts who's holding Easter eggs instead of coconuts. Okay, so he is holding Easter eggs instead of coconuts, but instead yeah. of a coconut tree he's climbing up a big straw coming out of what i imagine is what a bottle of coke or something uh, um, do you know I what i mean i feel like it's harder to figure out exactly what's going on there it is a little it, is it a maypole 
Because it's springtime? Oh, is it? I, oh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I might be stretching with that one. Happy Easter from Dr. Robotnik. He's written around it. That's a really good drawing. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Like he hasn't it. quite figured out how the sort of cross to circle button thing on Robotnik's Adventures design works, or is he or is he doing something? Is that an egg design? I think he's doing something there. I think he's making up his own look for it. Is, is it even an Easter egg design? I can't quite tell. It doesn't feel like it. No. It's like a, what it is, is it's a sort of yellow and black and red Union Jack kind of design. It's Almost. lots of lines converging in the centre. Oh, I know what it is. It's that one, it's that angel from the Old Testament, isn't it? <laughs> that's loads of rings. It's the thing about our Lord rising again, that's what it is. He's keeping with our Lord, yeah, he's getting it all on the page here. Because that's the meaning of Easter. <laughs> yes. Above that, Robbie Gibbon from Luton in Bedfordshire has done, well, it's what you just said, it is Sonic, but he is but he just is a rabbit, a rabbit. Yeah. this time. Yeah. And he's there with a, a partially unwrapped Easter egg in his hand. And he's a bit Sonic as a rabbit. Yeah. He's got whiskers and ears whiskers, and teeth. teeth. Ears. Otherwise, Sonic. Spikes normal, blue normal. Who said chocolate rots your teeth? STC have captioned it. Next is uh, Jacob Padkin. Anything to? Yep, I checked. That is Jessica's brother. Hey! And uh, she told me this with a, a hint of jealousy hmm. at the fact that He's got a drawing in that isn't copied from Garfield. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's Sonic popping out of an egg and going boo. This is the one that they're stretching on. It's not too much of a stretch because it is a big egg, but it's not Easter. This is a breakfast egg, this. Yeah, no, it's it's a little, it's a hard-boiled egg in an egg cup. In an egg cup, and you get the impression that Sonic is very little rather than the egg is very big, or at least I do. Well, it's big to him. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what matters, isn't it? <laughs> From his perspective, and as we all know, Sonic's perspective is the most important perspective. <laughs> uh, Matthew Rutherford from Salmond House. Oh, hello. What does that mean? Damn. Salmond? Is that a place or is that a mansion? Yeah, I mean, it sounds Salmond... a bit like it, doesn't it? <laughs> yep. No, I, I don't know what that is. There doesn't appear to be a place called Salmond House, so it must be his house. <laughs> I all right he's from salmon town apparently they what they might have done there is posted his actual home address <laughs> and it's knuckles but a rabbit this time yes but in an interesting way yes. instead of having rabbit ears it's just that he's got two knuckles spines yeah. poking upwards two of his with the same curvature dreadlocks are upwards yeah yeah it's, it's almost as if there's just a strong gust of wind blowing them up isn't it but he but, has got the big teeth yes understand he does have buck teeth he's got big rabbit feet he's not wearing any shoes yeah. so he's got big bugs bunny rabbit feet, and he's holding a carrot and an easter egg so it's definitely yeah. easter themed it's not oh, just yes. some odd decision sdc have made here no 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 uh, it's an odd decision that matthew rutherhood has made and he's pink Probably the most interesting one is next from Simon Palmer in Middlesex, which is, this is Robotnik as an Easter egg, or an Easter egg as Robotnik. I wondered, when I looked at this, if this wasn't supposed to be Robotnik with some kind of heinous disease. Yeah. Some kind of cartoon pimple boil thing, because what it is, is it's Robotnik's head but he's covered in multicolored spots. spots. It almost, and they are round spots as well, giving it the impression of a load of Smarties. It could well be an Easter egg, because his jaw does form mm. an egg then at the bottom. It's not, it it's... forms it, but then, to a certain way of looking at it, that is the shape of Adventures Robotnik's head, and, it, and it, that, that might just be what happens when a child draws it. Well, yeah, but not when they're a reader of STC. He's going to have that lid, that bin yeah. lid mouth, instead of just <laughs> his head coming down and finishing like that. But it did make me stop and wonder. But I think they're right yeah. when they say he's supposed to be an egg. 
Yeah, but he's not a chocolate egg. It's just an egg, but with different coloured spots all over it. Well, he's he's going to be wrapped in foil. Anyway. I guess so. That's the wrapper. That's yes, but it's egg coloured. Well, it is. You're right. It could be a painted regular, an ordinary mm. painted Easter egg, like I'm led mm. to believe. Apparently, people did paint. I forgot about those. which I've never once in my life done. <laughs> no. Uh, comparatively, this one to the right, the last one here from Andraga Zambakides from Oxted in Surrey. It's tails as an Easter egg, yep. and it's 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 an Easter egg. It's chocolate Easter egg, and it's got tails' feet coming out the bottom, and yeah. his tails coming out the side, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. There's hardly any concessions to being tails at all. The egg, lovingly constructed and drawn to look just like an Easter egg, brown, and then yeah, feet and tails coming out of it. Yeah, yeah. It's brown with a with an orange ribbon going like. Top to bottom ways. Yes, an odd way up. to put the ribbon yeah, around it. That's going to ping right off. This puts me in mind of the Sonic the Coke bottle one, i got to be honest mm, with you. Yeah. This is uh, not quite as weird because it looks like Tails is in the egg or carrying the egg. Yes. Not quite as weird as Sonic the Coke bottle, but it's up there. Uh, but good I caption do like on the caption put on it. <laughs> <laughs> Fox of chocolates. Fox of oh, chocolates. Fox of chocolates. Yes, yes. very good. Very, very good. There you go, that's that. The Ghost Ship Part 2 Written by Nigel Kitchen (laughs) Art by Nigel Dobbin And letters by Elita Fell In return for ancient parchments That will help him repair The floating island's technology Knuckles raises the island Higher into the sky So the plunder can reach The flying ghost ship of Tantaragor Plunder's pirates set about pillaging the ship, with plunder seeking one piece of loot in particular, the Tantaragor Idol. But no sooner is the pirate stolen his prize than the group are seized by a pair of giant golden snake warriors who intend to make them their slaves. <laughs> Listen, That's fun, isn't it? It's tremendous fun, but you know what else is tremendous fun is this. Yeah. Oh, this is great stuff. Brilliant. <laughs> I, I, the little idea that, mm. that Knuckles is doing this in return for plans of the floating island yeah. that Plunder says he has, which he got in the same hall of old scrolls that he got for the parchment leading to the Pyramid of Sandopolis 25 issues ago. like Way back in Sonic 3 and Knuckles, I love that. Yeah, but it's the fact that the Knuckles stories have this continuity, this sense of forward motion, this propulsion where this is what Knuckles is working towards. It's not just, I'm sure it must eventually descend into here's just another Knuckles strip this issue because Knuckles is a regular strip now, so we just have Knuckles do adventures. But it really feels like Kitching is not taking for granted the fact that Knuckles just gets a strip. Mm. And he's really keeping the character on this forward arc that he will obviously never get to actually bring an end to. Because video games have to be allowed to do that instead, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that. I I love the fact that last issue we saw him trying to get Porker to help repair the technology that was damaged by Zachary's robot in the previous issue when he was trying to transfer the emerald power out of it into the emerald he got in the previous story, which he needed to get because the robot broke the emerald in the previous story. It's yeah. Great. Love it. Love everything about it. Yes, I don't think there's been... Even though we've had, like, lots of 
And we've talked a lot about the continuity in the Sonic 3 and Knuckles story and in the Metallic story leading up to the time travel stuff. It feels somehow like there's more of that in Knuckles, perhaps because there hasn't been anything else in Knuckles, you know? And it's just been straight through this ongoing story that goes from one to the next. I love it how it's all built on the central mystery of yes. Knuckles. Yes. You know, on the idea of what happened to the Echidnas, why is Knuckles the last of his people? It's real good stuff. Do you know what else is a star work here? <laughs> what? Is building off of that little gag we noticed at the end of last issue uh-huh. where Simpson was painting Captain Ponder's portrait. <laughs> we, t- we took a minute to realize yes. that that's what he was doing. And the last page of the last yes. issue, he was painting Captain Plunder's portrait. And the thumb out in the background <laughs> and he was painting his plunder was posed there. And... Not one line of dialogue alludes to the fact that this happened, but it plays out in the background of the first two pages where Knuckles and Plunder are having this whole conversation about what they're doing, going up to see the ghost ship, playing, I ain't got the scrolls on me, lad, keep my pirate's hideaway. If this is a truth, oh, I promise it's a truth. And in the background, Simpsons lugging this canvas around him. We don't see what's (laughs) on the canvas. No. He shows it to Filch. (laughs) In the background. Far in the background. Simpson's back is to us. Filch is looking towards camera. He looks down at the canvas as Simpson holds it up. He seems a little displeased with it. And then the angle changes to put Knuckles and Plunder off in the background and move Simpson and Filch up to the foreground. And the camera angle changes just enough that we see that what has happened, it's the classic gag. Simpson has actually painted his own thumb. (laughs) The old gag where the artist holds the thumb up, you know, to centre the subject. We've seen he's actually... He's done the old cartoon gag where he's painted his own thumb. And Filch takes the portrait and blams it down over Simpson's head. And his head punches through the canvas and he's got little stars. But we don't see that. The next panel. That happens in between panels. Yeah. One panel, Filch is reaching for it. Yeah. The next panel, Simpson's just got it round his neck. He's just round (laughs) it. Majestic. Yeah. There's no way I would have got that the first time because it's been two weeks since we saw that thing of him having his thumb up. And you, you blink and you miss that. Yeah, we, we had to take a little moment to figure out what was even going on there. I thought he was writing a sign or something yeah. at, at first. That's brilliant. Not a line of dialogue, not nothing. You could almost believe it wasn't even in the script and, and Dobbin put it in the background on his own. I fully believe it wasn't in the script. I don't know. I, it could go either way. The sense of humour is very kitching. It is. So, so it could easily have been a silent gag that he scripted for the background, but it could just as easily have been something Dobbin put in because it, it's it, it's the way it plays out without acknowledgement. It's brilliant. Ha <laughs> So I've got the script for this one. Oh, right. I've just pulled it up. I didn't realise I had the script for this one, but it was in a, a pack of them that Nigel sent us. And okay, so this is really interesting and it does actually give us some insight into why this happened. Page two doesn't have panel descriptions. Oh, right. It says, this is essentially a talking heads page. But if it works visually, have the cast leaving the control room and proceeding up the stairs and the long tunnels as they head to the surface of the floating island. I'll leave the way these images work to you. So Dobbins read ahead... And he's gone, all right, <laughs> let's see then, let's see, what can we do? So, so it's not in there at all then? This is a Dobbin gag that, that is entirely... In, yeah, in... I'm not seeing any... Ma- let's check the previous Jump script. Jump back and... to the last page of part one, yeah. Page five. This is the script of the previous episode. Full page picture, Knuckles is facing Captain Plunder, who's smiling genially. He approaches Knuckles with Filch and Simpson. If you can think of anything irrelevant for Simpson to be doing, <laughs> it would be good. So yeah, that's, that's brilliant. He came up with the gag on part one and carried it through. And carried 
read it through the next time he had a chance. I'm With, the, I have learned something oh. about Nigel Dobbin that I didn't know. I didn't know he did this kind of thing. Funny motherfucker. Yeah. This is like <laughs> what a mess background gag stuff is. And like, I've always loved that. It's in fact, it's one of my favorite things in comics. That I didn't know. I, I've always thought of Nigel Dobbin, you know, art-wise. The as lovely some, art man. A, yeah. yeah, a painter of lovely vistas and nice looking things. I didn't know he did these background gags as well, and now I do, and I'm going to be looking for them all the time now. I am so glad we picked up on it oh. last issue at the end of, of part one. And oh. I think we even said last issue, gosh, I hope that plays know, off yeah. in some way. And it did, and it does, and it's the best possible payoff, too. And we're only two pages in! If we hadn't noticed this, and someone had pointed it out to us, you know what that would be on our face? Egg, like a bird's egg. Like an Easter egg. <laughs> Right, then the rest of the strip. Oh, yeah. I mean, is there anything else to chat about? Um, well, it's all just flipping lovely. I mean, the bit where they... Uh, so, right, listeners, in case you didn't twig... Maybe you drifted off, you didn't hear this. This issue is set on a ghost ship. Now, don't imagine a flying ship on which ghosts walk about. Nope, no, it's, the ship's it's a ghost. Like the ghost of a ship. Well, they can walk about on it. You know, they set up a line from the edge of the floating island and they... Whee! down it on little police yep. brilliantly drawn by the way just the tripod they set up to connect it to the ship is great for some reason yeah. i just, don't know it just looks really good yeah yeah he knows how to draw pulleys and stuff it's, it's all like well how do you know this stuff <laughs> little thing i do wish i wish captain plunder's hook had and turned into a wee pulley that he went down yeah, it on that okay, would have been yeah. a nice little touch but, when you know. well when he was first introduced it was he had all slots and gizmos around yeah. his hook that made it look like different stuff can come out knives came out that little claw came out that one time when he was in yeah. prison to break his chains yeah 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 i'm sure i said it then but disney completely ripped off this particular pirate <laughs> treasure planet but there's nobody here there's no ghosts on the ship though plunder no. does think they may be back any minute and knuckles is like they you said the ship was deserted ah well that's sort of true but then Filch using his ghostly powers to walk through the ghost The ghost, walls. yeah. I, yeah, I feel like anybody should be able to do that, right? <laughs> so then I wonder if Nigel Kitching meant a ship on which ghosts live. And Nigel Dobbin went, ah, it's not that, I'm drawing a ghost drawing, ship. Drawing a so everything is ship, yeah. The reason why I started going on about that is to say that everything is beautiful and blue as they're walking mm -hmm. around this ship. It's all, it's all blue. And then they meet this golden... Thing. They find this the golden one idol. spot of color in the whole ship. Yeah, yeah, and that gold against that blue is so good. And add to that, Nigel Dobbin's ability to draw very round things and the style of coloring that he does just makes it so pretty. It's so pretty. It's so. It looks all like like European album space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not. Yeah. Do I mean Mobius or do I mean someone else? But that stuff that he was doing the first time we ever saw him in that poster mag, we commented on the way that he couldn't even draw a, a little wagon that they're putting people yeah. into without making it look like an amazing space egg. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's the Nigel Dobbin we're treated to here. Jeweled egg. Yeah. But then they come into the room. This be what you're looking for, Captain. That's it. The Tantragoroid. And then just down there in the bottom corner of the panel is Simpson going, Aah! and the eyes literally levitating yeah. off his head and growing to seven times their size. And Knuckles looking around and, and Knuckles, going, what? what the? He sort of flinches away from it, doesn't he? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's, <laughs> oh, it's almost weird that Simpson actually doesn't get any dialogue. Uh, yes, it is a little bit, yeah. Like he didn't get any dialogue last. He doesn't have, doesn't have any this time. And for Nigel to have, for Nigel Kitching, sorry, to have mentioned... You gotta start just calling him by the surnames, man. Sorry. So for Kitching to have mentioned... 
specifically that Simpson is here and see if you can find something for him to do implies that he'll have something to do later in the story and just needs Maybe, to be here yeah. at the moment. And Dobbin succeeding in making that work. Just having loads of fun with it. Yeah. I mean, it's not just any statue, this statue, the, the Captain Plunder says. But then there's a scream from the deck and they run back up and then all the pirates have been... Uh, they're not very piratical looking pirates, are they? No, they just look like sad little fellas, don't they? That one's wearing trainers. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, there's, there's that one in the background is one of them proper Olsen yes. rat pirates from past Pirates of the Mystic Cave with a, stories. With, a, with a head scarf. But that one's wearing jeans and trainers. <laughs> yes. Unless, unless. Hmm. Oh, I could be wrong here. Maybe these aren't pirates. Maybe these are guys, these snake warriors, weren't here before. They've been off somewhere. Yeah. And they're talking about no matter, for now they are all our slaves. Maybe these are some slaves they've gone and abducted and brought back with them. Maybe these are just Mobians. Mm. Because jeans and trainers, man, that's not a pirate. <laughs> well, Chris, we've got the script. And oh well, don't, yeah. no, 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 no! Don't look it up. Save it for next time. Why, why would we? Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to know. I want to find out next issue. Oh, okay, fair enough. I, I thought <laughs> yeah, you were talking yeah, about no, it being an that, ambiguous drawing, and you wanted to know what it no, was. No, no, that's my standing theory. We'll see how it pays off next issue. Okay, and then if it doesn't, well, we can look at the script then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I don't want to. I wouldn't have wanted to know if they're going to pay off that Simpson gag ahead of time. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, these gold snake warriors, again, they're all gold head to toe in the same way that the ship is all blue. Mm. We only see them sort of slightly from behind and around. Don't get a full and proper look at them. But this looks like, we're talking about the jeweled space egg. Yeah. This is that school of Nigel Dobbin design here at work again. Snakes with arms and decorated with all these bangles and bracelets. And that this one's holding like a scepter or a staff and it's all lumps and bumps and jewels and things then mm. the other one has a rope then there's these three mobians who mm. are in cuffs already so yeah that's my theory i think these three mobians have been taken prisoner by these snake people while mm -hmm. they were away off the ship because then in the background oh sorry i'm sorry that is that, a, is that a cat one then in the background there as well so the, yeah one. this was i'm keeping my lip zipped about the other issue but yes i've just had a look at the script for this panel not only is that a cat one mm. But the right-hand one isn't meant to be a snake. It's a jackal-headed one. Oh, well, you couldn't tell that. The left-hand one is... Uh, yeah, now, you, once you know, you can be like, oh, yeah, okay, I see, because it's got a slight dog-shaped sort of look to its front. But I guess, but... Uh, but yeah. the fact that we have a very prominent snake... Well, what it says in the script is animal-headed gods. Yes. Uh, these creatures are so powerful and ghostly that we can't really understand the true nature of their power. One of them has the head of a jackal. The other one I'll leave up to you. But they both need to look really mysterious and scary, and their postures indicate they're totally arrogant to all around them. So, yeah... What Nigel Dobbin has done there is he goes, right, I'm doing a big snake one. And he's really gone to town making it a big snake one, hasn't he? The reason you can't tell that it's a jackal-headed one, the other one, is because the, the top of its head is, is clipped you, off by the panel board. Yeah. So we can't see that it has ears. I just thought it was a snake because it just looks like a big slinky sausage. Yes, it kind of curls out. I 100% thought it was a snake until I read that, mm. yeah. Well, there you go. But they have these, uh, because there's a pirate there on the ground, just behind them. You see that one right down there in the bottom right-hand corner? There's a pirate on the ground, oh, yes. sort of beaver or something. And then there's another one that's in the clutches of this third one of these creatures that I didn't see before, which looks like a cat one. So yeah, those are the pirates. And mm. I reckon these are some abductees that they have returned with, and we'll see where that plot thread goes. Because next issue, next issue, right, it's called Slaves. They have removed the idol. That's the threat. I have no idea what's going on in this, <laughs> and I am fucking loving it. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? 
It's really great. Is this what this whole podcast's been like for you up till now? Yeah! <laughs> Compo! Ooh, this is a grim compo, isn't it? <laughs> what? Right. <laughs> Listeners, imagine you could win a prize. Imagine, like, sky's the limit. What do you want to win? What prize do you want? Okay, now keep that in your head. Keep that idea Just in your head. Just hold it. If there's a competition in a children's <laughs> comic, you've seen the compos we've had in this before. Discount, if you will. In fact, no, I was going to say discount the Coronation Street one, but don't even, because this is more rubbish than even that. <laughs> oh, by far. Oh, way more rubbish. Although, I suppose at least I would have got, I would have done something with this. Had I won it. Well, that's true. Well, the, the grand prize of this competition isn't so bad. It's oh, no, the, the grand the prize is fine. they even bother to list the runners-up prizes. So this is, just across the top, it's Yoo-Hoo competition. Mm. And you can win, Dave. An afternoon with a magician or children's entertainer. Weird distinction. Why are you, why are you drawing the distinction between the two? Like, is it in case you can't get the magician? Like, they're going to sub in... That's what it sounds like. It's, yeah. A clone? Yeah, that, yeah. It sounds... It's That's exactly what it is. It sounds to me as if they're like, well, we're going to try and get a magician. We've got a couple of names we're thinking of. They might say no. <laughs> we'll, but we'll get you something. Don't worry about it. Don't worry, it's something, yeah. When an afternoon with a magician or a children's entertainer, one of Yoohoo's new... Magic sticks. Oh, imagine what a magic could it stick. Be a magic what stick. What could you do with a magic stick? What's well, that? A magic wand, doesn't it? Hold that thought in your minds. Yeah. Or a pet. Although, for Brits of a certain age, we know what a, a YooHoo magic stick is. No, don't spoil it for the folks. I'm not going to spoil it, but we know it's already spoiled. Just <laughs> hold it in your mind, and you'll see where we're going. Or you could wear a pair of magic. No, no, this is what you get as well, not or. Oh, sorry, and. A pair of magic socks. <laughs> what could you do with them? You could you could click your heels together and go swift. I mean, listen, <laughs> I am an adult man now who actually enjoys getting socks. Oh, yeah, hell as, yeah. As a present. So, But as a child. I mean, that's the joke. You know, getting yeah. socks for Christmas is one of the worst things you can possibly get. When you're a kid. I get upset if I don't get some socks for Christmas now at my I age. I know, I know. Pair of magic socks, what could you do with them? And, and... And, and... A magic leaflet. Ooh, a leaflet. Ooh, Ooh. a magic leaflet. Ooh, you open it up and it says magic on it. (laughs) And a magic clap. And a magic song. Pom, 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 pom. Pom, 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 Get stuck into some <laughs> sticky sorcery with Yoohoo's new magic stick, glue. Uh, yeah. We have some bewitching prizes to give away in a Yoohoo competition guaranteed to keep you spellbound. Yoohoo is a brand of glue. glue. One lucky winner will win a first prize <laughs> of an afternoon's entertainment with their very own magician. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, that's all right. Great. That's yeah. And that's not all. Oh, no, sir. Is no, sir. It what is else not. Do we the get? winner. The winner and ten runners-up will each receive a big twenty-one grams you, <laughs> a big twenty-one gram you who magic stick. Oh boy, that's quite big. I, Dave, the prize <laughs> in this competition is an off-brand Pritt stick. <laughs> now. So, I have fond memories of Yoohoo, right? Because they were the ones which, yes, it was an off-brand Pritt stick, but it was one I quite liked. It was, it, uh, listeners, imagine a. 
when you're a little child, size of length of your forearm, like they were quite long, stick tube, right? Full of glue. But what was interesting about it was the way it came out because it had this big fabric half ball on the end. Like that was the way. And so you would you would press it on the page and it would like it would be a very satisfying press. And of course, what you really did was you simply pressed it with your fingers and you felt the glue oozing through what was basically a, a sponge ball. Yeah, wedged into the end, and that was what it came out with. It's quite nice. No, I know the thing you mean. I, I'm remembering it. Now. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it in a very long time, but yeah. But this is this is not a liquid glue type thing. This is a, a twist the knob at the bottom. And oh, this is a print stick, it. is it? Oh, right. No, this is actually a print oh, yeah, stick. Oh, yeah, yeah, looking is, at it, yeah. yeah print you can see it stuff. in the picture there, yeah. Just look up print stick if you don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a stick of glue that yeah. you... It's a, Imagine it's a like dry glue that you but it's a hold stick it like... Glue. You hold it like a... like a Yeah, like lipstick, but prit. Yeah. <laughs> you, you hold it like a pencil and rub the glue on the surface. God, when was the last time you yeah, used I'm, a prit I don't know stick. if they have prit sticks in American. I don't know if they have... <laughs> prit stick! That's a prit stick in American. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have prit sticks anymore? Oh yeah, they I'm must. Surely, I feel they do. I'm they sure must. I've seen them. I'm yeah. sure I've seen them around. I just haven't had cause to glue. No, quite when anything. I haven't, that glued is, anything. I haven't had cause to glue anything except super glue, super broken glue. things yeah. that I need around the house because I'm an yeah. adult. What print stick is for is it's for kids to glue paper to other paper without yes. making too much carnage in, in the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it's for. Uh, so there's that. Uh, a pair of Yoohoo's exclusive magic socks, which Oof. change color oh. when they get warmer. That's not. That's not. I mean, I don't imagine a child cared. I'm actually. I, You're I, into yeah, that, are you? Listen, I'm into that. Yeah. I'm if into your that. socks don't change color at the end of the day, you've not done enough exercise. Yeah. <laughs> and a magic leaflet, which shows you how to do your own magic tricks. Okay, though, if it that, that actually that's the best bit. I mean, I mean if you're learning I, to do your own magic tricks, that's good. Yeah, but when they say magic tricks, they're gonna mean like yeah, nothing good. I don't know. I don't know what. I couldn't think of an example. There's but gonna it's be not the gonna one. Good, there's gonna know? be the one where it's like, why not take a pencil, hold it lightly, and oh, wiggle yeah, it, and, and wiggle it'll look it, like it, it flops. Look, look, made of rubber. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. In fact, you're a hundred percent right. That is the sort of tat it's gonna be. Ooh. Ooh, magic! Look at that. my thumb is severed. Look at oh. Yeah, but I could do with that. I've never figured out how to do the thumb severing thing. I'm like well, this crazy. There now, very I know you did. Most people can. I can't. I'm like, which way round does my thumb go? Where's that? Dossly, dossly. I don't know if I can even figure that out. You put that there. Oh god, my poor thumb. I did it. Oh, sort no, of. Yeah, look at it, it's coming off. <laughs> right to win one of these, a wizard prize is good. God, what decade is this from? <laughs> you must create a collage of the YooHoo magic oil. They yeah. are making you work. You've got to do a lot price. of uncompensated spec work for this competition. Yeah. Yeah. There's a picture <laughs> of him above, and it's a, it's the yeah. mascot of the thing. It's an oil. Yes, little... the YooHoo owl far more recognisable than I expected. I was I didn't mm. know I knew this owl, but actually I'm like, oh yeah, there's the YooHoo owl. You know? That's him there. Yeah, it's a, it's an oil in a little wizard's dinner jacket and bow tie and he's got a magic wand doing the old twinkles and he's got a roller badniks forehead v as well <laughs> use whatever materials you like and make your owl as bewitching and original as you can oh a sexy owl <laughs> send your finished collage of the yoohoo magic owl along with your name agent address to yoohoo competition p.o box 173 islesworth middlesex tw7 4du by 30th April, 1996. <laughs> right. So what Chris has done that voice for is that at this point in the page, 
it would just appear that someone got a tipex and they've just dragged out a white spread of tipex and written on it 30 i don't know how they've done it because it is a typeface but it also looks handwritten doesn't it for all it looks like to me is Do you know what i mean it's kind of blobby but a font. when somebody was laying this out they left a white box and i don't think this is what's happened but it does look like somebody rubber there stamped you go the rubber stamp that's what it is Yes. Didn't know when the date would be. They left the space blank. And <laughs> it's a big white box in the middle of this otherwise yellow background and stamped in black. Very uneven and slightly sort of faded and wobbly looking. This creates it's the rubbish. rubber stamp effect. It's absolutely rubbish. In black text, whereas all the other text on the page is, is purple and red. It's very well stamped in that case, isn't it? It is. But then look down at the very bottom of the I know, page yeah. where they've got the, the stipulations. You who will provide a children's entertainer or magician for two hours only to attend a children's party for up to 25 guests. This prize does not include venue, refreshments, or any other requirements for a party. Prizes must be booked and taken within six months of the winner being informed. So if little Johnny has a birthday, yeah, like... seven months later. Seven months yeah. later, out of luck there. Yeah, no, you just got to have a party. Which is fair enough. It's not, Well, it's a good reason to have a party, you know. For the kids, the reason to have a party is... Is, there's a magician, right? They, they've got no problem. For the parents, there's a lot of paying for shit to yeah, sort out. Yeah, to get the free magician. Yeah. yeah. You just not do anything and come out though, yeah. Frankly, if you, had a, if you just hired a magician for a normal party when it is their birthday... I, it's probably going to come out about the same because, like, this is a, you have to suddenly get a party sorted out last minute. You're going to find out about. Well, a week you, got, you got six months. You can really just f with them and do it like five months and twenty nine days after their deadline. Oh yeah, you're right. It's within six months of the winner being informed, not now. Well, I wonder. So in that case, so the winner gets informed, and then they. They have to tell the magician when they're free. Like, you've got to be... Tell the magician, like, find and book the magician at that point, because it's like, yeah, and... and Do you think that's what like, it is? Like, that's what it is? Yeah, you've got to find and book the magician. They're going to ring around local and find the magician or They're just going to pay yeah. you back, aren't they? You who are just going to give you a check for whoever you found. That's what yeah, it is. Basically. That's why it's a magician or children's entertainer. It's in case you can't get a magician. They're not. They're not shipping somebody out. It's not the YooHoo magic owl going God, out to perform a thing for rubbish. you. They are going to ring around local <laughs> and find out find a local magician or children's entertainer because that's why they have to say children's entertainer in case there aren't any local not... magicians. This is rubbish. Totally. The competition is open to all children aged twelve and under on thirtieth April, nineteen ninety six. Usual competition rules apply. For details, please write to above. Interestingly, this time it's not on a white box, that bit. No. But it is too big. The font's wrong. And if you look really carefully, it is in fact on a sort of sticker that the date is printed quite near the top of. Quite a yes, bit below. And it's There's not, uh, it's not level either. Not quite, no. No. But it does have the correct background gradient on top of it so you get the impression that they like stuck that down first i don't know how that worked i don't know it's yeah it but shonky this is <laughs> this is nonsense. rubbish now there's a little box here though mm -hmm. that it does go to tell us what the product is yes, so, yes, so this yes, isn't like just this. a competition it is an advert yoohoo magic stick is a unique solvent free 
paper and card glue stick. Is it unique? Which goes on a rich purple hue, but becomes invisible as yes. it dries. I remember that. I remember that. I do. I remember that. That, that yes. was a selling point, and it was good. Yeah. This makes it easy to see where you're putting glue during the sticking process, but means that mistakes don't show once the adhesive has dried. Good stuff. It is available from all leading stationery and retail outlets, priced from 99p. Great prize, then, isn't it? 99p. <laughs> 99p. Yeah, well, it's from 99 Oh, yeah, because this is a big one. That's the Wii stick. This is a big 21, 21 gram stick you get in here. Ooh, you loads of glue. You really yeah. glue. You'd be imagine what would happen if you won a big print stick, right? You... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, there's something even lamer about it when that's how you phrase it. Like you won a big print stick. That's what's being offered here. It's like yeah, it's like the grand prize in the raffle on Crack the Island Tom. or something, isn't it? <laughs> you... The, the tombola prize at the school fete, yeah. like yeah, 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 yeah. But what would happen if you won a big print stick, right? Is that you would sit there coming up with, you'd be thinking about what can I do. You'd be thinking of projects. You'd be like, oh, I can make a collar. I can stick. I can, st and you'd come up with nothing. <laughs> There's nothing. This is a zero sum game because you've just had to glue your heart out making a collar. I know. Make a collage yeah. for a glue yeah. They stick? expect you. To enter this competition, they're hoping you will buy their Prit stick in the first place to enter the competition. I'm I'm going to enter this competition and I'm going to buy Prit stick to do it with. Just to spite <laughs> you them. You rebel. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what a load of rubbish. And there's a photo, by the way, of a stick oh, of yeah. this stuff just sat on a kitchen counter or something with a, a bit of tat behind it there's a magic magic wand. tat the, yeah there's a magic wand there's a top hat with a toy rabbit coming mm -hmm. out of it so they've spent a couple of quids getting that they've been oh no they haven't they've got a magician costume from the costume shop and they've <laughs> just put it on the table i wouldn't have been surprised if there was a tv commercial for this and this is a shot like from the end of it you know like the end card on the commercial there's a magician oh using yeah stick to illustrate it can't find any evidence of such a thing but i absolutely believe it must have existed the premise of the advert would be that a magic wand isn't as good as a magic stick of glue yeah for the, that's it for the thing the magician's trying to do right now which is fix his hat or something. if they'd really been into shelling money out you know they'd probably get paul daniels to do it but there's no way they were <laughs> shelling money out of this competition is anything to go by clearly yeah. <laughs> speaking of oil tat <laughs> it's uh what is there to say anymore it's another it's another <laughs> bad nick pinup by ferran rodriguez so we know don't we listeners that there was one bad nick that was famously in sonic one but it wasn't in Sonic 1. Uh, yeah. That is Splat, the rabbit robot with a spring on its ass, and it boings along, and we all knew it. It was a mainstream Sonic robot that we all knew about. Everywhere. There's a poster yeah. of it in Sonic the Comic. For goodness sake. There's a little plastic figure of it that yeah. I got around this time. It, we all knew this badnik, but if we thought about it really hard, we were not going to be able to come up with what zone it was from, or even what Sonic game it was from, because it wasn't. It was designed to go in Sonic 1, it was passed on, and nobody passed that memo on to the marketing teams who went around plastering it on everything. Like, it even had an English language name, though. Splats. Yeah. Don't know why it was called Splats. Well, because it would I guess hop it on you and it would make you things. splat. Yeah, the, the idea was that it jumped on this big spring and it would land on you and make you go splat. So it's two of them. That's it. Two of them. <laughs> two of them. It's, a, it's the same piece of art. It's one in the foreground. Yeah. and one, Well, I say one in the foreground and one in the background, but... It's a purple void, so 
no Easter livery to speak no. of at all. No, no ribbons or eggs or anything. It's just a rabbit. Not, a, it's not presented as Eastery in any capacity. No, there can't be many more of these, can there? I feel like we must have done pretty much all of the Sonic One badniks at this point. But we'll find out next time, I guess. I mean, I was. We're down to the splats. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but. It is Easter, so it they have is. specifically picked splats for the bunny theme. And fair, actually. Like, if you're looking for a bunny-themed one, and they have been kind of looking for holiday-themed ones as they go along. They've been trying to find themed ones, like when they put the little stars on the yeah. top of the spikers for New Year's. This being the only rabbit-themed badnik, fair enough, right? Listen, yes, but also no. Because, <laughs> come on! <laughs> Just sell some ad space or something. We no. get more content for this show out of a double-page ad in the center yes. of the comic. <laughs> Why weren't they thinking of that? I know. Shining Force. The Curse of Zeon, Part 3, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Martin Griffiths, colors by Gina Hart, and letters by Tom Frame. Teleported to safety by Max seconds before Baron Cadaver brings his blade down upon him, Bowie, Taya, and Zink take Zink's aircraft to the village of Hassan to recruit more allies. There, they meet the centaur knight, Chester, grandson of an old ally of Max's. But Chester mistakes them for disciples of Zeon, leading to a fight. The brawl is ended when Max's spirit emerges from Bowie's sword and invites Chester to join the group as part of the new Shining Force. wasn't as interesting as the last two, I don't think. No, although I did like, finally we've returned to the thing about them finding a big weapons cache. I don't think they really mentioned that in the last one. Yes, that's the, the one little interesting cutaway for three panels in the middle of it, where these disciples of Zeon are going to learn how to use the magic in these ancient objects, the old yes. guns and things. Before long, Zeon will be released from his imprisonment, and all that day the world will tremble. I'm curious to see how it unfolds, because it doesn't seem like these are specifically going to play a role in the freeing of Zeon. Seems like yeah. Zeon's got that work in that angle himself already, but mm. but we'll see. Maybe that is what they're going to be for. You know, maybe it is only the, the uncovering of these now that will be the means by which he is freed. Well, I'm imagining that they're what his army will be given when he takes over the... Well, well, yes, but this is three parts into a six-part story and he's not freed yet, so that's probably not happening, right? Yeah. He's probably not going to get free, so you would assume they're going to have to play a larger role in the story than that. But uh, otherwise, holy crap, did I call what was going to happen next in this story. <laughs> Remind me, what did you say? Well, I said... This is the bit in the story where the old mentor family, you know, elder figure gets killed. Yes. But I also said, but they may not go with that classic hero's journey trope because we've come a long way from gangsters being capped in the street in Sonic the Comic. Um, so what happens is they teleport out, literally just as Cadaver's sword is swinging down towards yeah. Max. And we don't see what happens to Max. But then on the last page... Bowie's sword, which was Max's old sword from his adventuring days, glows, and the spectral figure of Max, Obi-Wan Kenobi's up out of the blade to say, yes. you know, join us as part of the new Shining Force. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they killed him, but yep. they sanitized it because this is where something the comic is at now. Um, and, uh, yeah, they Obi-Wan kenobi him. Yeah. He's been struck down and become more powerful than you can imagine. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I called it 
so hard. I don't know if that's why I feel less interested in this now, because, <laughs> you know, in the previous two, I didn't expect them to find an ancient armory of tanks and guns and for there to be a robot and stuff. But no, it's just kind of gone pretty straightforward hero's journey stuff. Yes, I mean, I think, yes, probably part of why you're less interested is that there's a strong focus on the fantasy side this time as we meet this centaur knight. Could be, could be. Hadn't really thought about it, but you're not wrong. We meet a centaur knight who is not not even robot in any way. He's just a centaur with knight clothes on the front half of him and a jousting stick. Of course, that's if you've got a centaur and he's a knight, give him a jousting stick. That's yeah, yeah, cool. that's that's good that's character good. design. Yeah, good stuff. And Chester is a character from the game. Of course, he does look completely different as all characters do. But the basic idea is the same. He's a, he's a white centaur and a knight. The torso is a knight. Described here on the Shining Force wiki as one of the four founding members of the Shining Force in the game. But he's a little anime elfman uh, with green hair. Oh. Versus this very classical looking centaur elf. Well, he's got pointy ears like an elf, but he's not an elf. He's a centaur. So, is he not even a centaur? In the he is a centaur. He's a centaur. He just looks oh, he like, is. Okay. I'm saying he's a little anime elfman. Oh, so he is. Oh, look at him. He's a sweet little linky sort of Zelda guy. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yes, well, that's the thing. that This is playing with a lot of different aspects because, like, Max, as far as I know, isn't in Shining Force 2 at all, Force Ghost or not. He's yeah. from Shining Force 1. So this is Nigel going like, well, here's a way I can bring him in. He can be the ghost mentor guy. That may be entirely his idea. We don't know, do we? We need to know. We've got to look up what the story is of this game. This does not strike me as a strip that's been written with any great interest in or fidelity to the original game. He's got a few text descriptions of what some of these characters sort of look like, I think, here and just gone from there. Well, in something I found about Chester the character, it says, In the UK's Sonic the Comic, one of their guest stories was based on the combined elements from both Shining Force The Legacy of Great Intentions. Is that the Game Gear one you were talking uh, about? No, that, I think that's the name of the first Shining Force. Yes, it's Shining Force 1. Oh, right, okay. I wish they'd be clear about that on this wiki. I know, don't look at wikis if you ever want to know anything, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and then it goes on to say, in STC, he resembles Arthur. And if you look at Arthur, it's this guy. He does rather resemble Arthur, doesn't he? In that he's blonde. Oh no, but he's got that disc on his chest there as well. No, yeah, 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 that's he looks definitely quite a lot like based him, yeah. on that. That's definitely the piece of art that yeah. they have had to work off of here. So... Very scattered yeah. reference material handed over to the creators here, obviously. Mm, an interesting mashup of things. Yeah, you know what? And I've just looked it up, and Bowie, mm -hmm. uh, he's based on Max. Oh! They've, they've drawn Bowie in this strip based on the, the character artwork of Max from the first Shining Force Ooh. game. So, yeah, the, the reference material here is... It is not happening. <laughs> Gotta look up what Taya looks like. Nope, not even a f***ing little bit. So what on earth were they using as reference there? Let's see, I'm just going back to the original Shine of Force now then. Uh, uh, try Max. Killed by Ken. Any luck? Honestly, uh, lost the will to live. Give up. <laughs> so yeah it makes me wonder exactly what reference material they had to hand when they were making this because it doesn't seem like a lot yes it's odd doesn't it it's either not a lot or it's absolutely loads you know what i mean <laughs> Could be, do you know what yeah. i mean like or it's a consolidation not of enough everything. or too much <laughs> uh, yeah like i know that nigel kitching was very good at like playing through the games before he worked on them on stc but not shining for he can't have done there's no. no way unless for whatever reason he happened to already be a fan of this series you couldn't True. play 
which is possible, but I don't. I, yeah, I don't think so. To be honest, he just feels like a slightly odd pick for the strip. I don't know who would. I guess uh, if you told me Mark Isles was writing the Shining Force strip, I'd like, yeah, that tracks. You know, wrote that Goblin Tales story and did the Wonder Boys. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that tracks. Oh, he did uh, Golden Axe as well, didn't he? And and what a ridiculous choice of source material for an STC strip. You know, here's a J. Here's a sprawling JRPG, more than one. Go on, you got five pages an issue. Get it done in six issues. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, we're halfway through this yeah. now, and they've only just now formed the new Shining Force. Yeah, yeah. In the game, this will happen in the first 1% of the game. If we sound a bit down on this, it, it, it isn't in our personal wheelhouse, but it is good. Like, it's a good comic. It's It communicates itself perfectly well. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah. But it's not really our sort of thing. I am still interested in stuff like... To get to this centaur knight, they fly in a modern plane that they've found. Yeah. Although, albeit one with a, a ship's wheel. I mean, it's, you say it's a modern plane, but it's got a big hollow top oh, yeah, on it and everything, yeah. you know, it's... Well, more modern than this fantasy ancient kingdom anyway, put it that way. Yes. It's like the chassis of a plane that they've, like, hollowed out and put mm. new stuff in from now to make work, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, it's like it was the wreck of a plane from the before times, and they've cobbled it together in some way to make it work but that involves putting an old ship's wheel in and stuff to steer with now mind you we don't it never actually says like why they go to this village of hassan no it says that um maximilian and the rest of the shining force visited this place in the old days so it sounds like maybe zinc has led them here yes there's something here that will help on the quest and then this guy turns up yeah but uh before zinc says that but he says what makes grandfather think we'll find help in a dump like a son and i'm like well what makes you think your grandfather told you to go here because that never happened on page oh <laughs> uh, right yeah okay never mentioned it before you know but it does they do get help because they get a new team member so we've got the gangs potentially all together unless every episode we get another team that's member. what i'm wondering yeah they couldn't be going to get a fifth surely, surely not Five is a good number, though, for this sort of thing. It is, but there's definitely no time to do anything once you've spent another That's issue getting question, another person. Yeah, when you've spent four of six parts getting the band together, I'm not sure. Mm. But this guy, so this Chester guy, you can see the trope he is. He's the blustering fool, you know. He, but he's the experienced warrior, the adventurer, the clean-cut guy. And Bowie's this scraggly amateur, so obviously they're going to have a bit of headbutton stuff going on in future chapters. Mm-hmm. I get the sense this strip is going to be a little better than having them both vie for Taya's affections, because Bowie doesn't seem interested in her in yeah. that way. Yeah. But that's definitely what a lesser version of this yeah. story would do. Yeah. You can see the DNA from which this is cleaved. <laughs> Next issue, the ma- oh, the magic of the ancients. Now that oh, makes me interested. Here we go. It could be about all the old guns and bombs and yeah sh- guns and bombs and sh- Q zone. Q zone. Q zone. oh my god no I'm no i'm going right this. past it it's echo <laughs> it's an echo q zone it's just a list of passwords there is nothing there's nothing just Can't a list of passwords and then a, an invincibility and stage select code at the very end which i did i found intriguing in that you have to pause the game with echo facing you oh Yes, yeah, you must have to turn so the you character. Turn you you must have to like turn him and then pause it mid-turn just as he's looking at you to get it going. Next issue is a plunge into the past with the original Echo game, but uh, no, I'm not even sticking around to try and build content out of no, this. No, there isn't. There's nothing. Oh no! Except to say, oh, oh, oh. the previous owner of this issue has written in something oh. next to number seven tube. Of, there are 37 levels in this game. Yeah. Into next to level seven tube of Medusa, uh-huh. where he's written his own code here, which makes me uh-huh. suspect. 
that uh, one of the passwords is wrong here. So if you knew if the tube of Medusa is either six six or then you know that's... <laughs> is it quidjibo or just six? <laughs> Moving on next, not sticking around. I refuse. Compo. We say compo, but like the YooHoo one, uh, yeah, but they're sure. just a page of compos. I mean, what what compo ultimately isn't secretly an advert, you know? Well, we'll come to it. So yeah, this is kind of an odd one, right? To zoom off to the USA, Dave, Dave, Dave. Hello. I feel like there's a little bit of preamble needed before we <laughs> dive into the subject of this Walker's Crisps-based competition. So, something that I like to reflect on now and then, when I, as a grumpy oldman, look at nonsense things that young people are into, and I go, Ksh, how are they even into that? They're, that's not the like Fortnites and the like. <laughs> that's not like the stuff we had in my day when we had good things. I have to remind myself to bring myself down to earth that I got massively, massively into collectible cardboard circles, which were the big craze of my 1994 or whenever it was. Pogs. Um, which were, yes, they had a story behind them. Okay, off in Hawaii, milk bottles used to come with these caps that had a picture on and people would collect them and stack them up and slam them There was some kind of a game. Whatever. I didn't care about that. My defense of being into Pogs, though, was that they really did have quite a lot of good artwork on them. And that's what you were collecting, these, these unusual new things to see. There was something special about Pogs. It wasn't just that you were collecting circles. It's, it was like, I don't know... It was like any collection. It was an interesting collection. And like any craze, they were very, very quickly ripped off oh, by yes. anyone else who had access to a sheet of cardboard and some kind of cutting machine. <laughs> and one of these, which I, d still to this day, people will argue were really good because people really got into this, but they were a ripoff of Pogs and they were called Tazos. Tazos. Why were they called Tazos? Because they had flipping Taz on them. No, no. That's not why I actually looked this up. Yes, so. it is. No, no, I looked it up. Honestly. I'm not going to believe anything you're about to tell me because it's because they had Taz on them, which they did. They were a Warner Brothers Looney Tunes. Okay, so these were milk caps that were produced by Walker's Crisps. Uh -huh. they, and it's not that they were given away free with Walker's Crisps, that they were Walker's. Walker's made them. Mm. Yeah. They were off-brand pogs that Walkers invented to give away with crisps. It, yes, they made them to give them away in their bags of crisps, yes. I say Walkers, we also say Frito-Lay and its subsidiaries around the Feel world. Feel free, you know, but the, we are Walkers is what this ad is framed as, but these were international. Uh -huh. You know, these weren't just, you know... They started in Mexico. Uh-huh. And they were named after the expression, and they did start as a Looney Tunes thing. Mm -hmm. That's it, you know, as you say, these are advertised as being Looney Tunes, but no, they were just Looney Tunes. This yep. wasn't like a Pog thing where there was whatever. These were just no, no, no. cardboard circles with pictures of Bugs Bunny and Co. on them. Yep. 100 discs with Looney Tunes, the original connection. Mm -hmm. But it says on Wikipedia here that they were named after the expression Taco Nazo. Okay. Which means to kick with the heel. Well, it's tenuous, but I can believe which it. Which was a reference to another popular school game oh. in Mexico where children opened bottles with their shoes trying to launch the caps as far as they could. That sounds like a waste of drink. Well, you, you can still drink it. It's just about launching the cap. Yeah, it? but if you've opened it with your shoe, you've already kicked half the drink out, haven't you? Not if you've done it right. I mean, that's the challenge, isn't it? That's where the challenge I'm comes I'm guessing what it. you do is you drink the <laughs> bottle, then you put the cap in and maybe, maybe 
blow it up a bit and then boom. you know oh like with the old tubes of smarties you know you get that lid back on there and you fum it off well i'm imagining a metal bottle lid here and not, oh, a, not a, a okay. plastic screw top oh okay not like those you know tiktok challenges where people do karate kicks and spin the lids yes. off coke bottles that's probably what that game has evolved yeah, into probably. in the modern day there you go okay well I'll, okay then i will concede that there may be truth in that but when they named it it wasn't just named after that phrase it was a clever pun because taz was on them i think <laughs> certainly i i feel like when i saw them originally i thought it had something to do with that yes. yeah yeah so they arrived here in the uk in 1996 anyway walkers tazos are offering a trip to california to announce the arrival of Tazos in the UK, the massive new craze that's already swept across the world and has arrived here in packs of Walker's Crisps, Doritos, Quavers, Monster Munch, and French Fries. Tazos are the new caps from Walker's, featuring your favourite Looney Tunes characters that are fitted. And this was the unique feature of Tazos, kids. Here we go. This is what this is why they weren't just pogs. This yeah. is how they distinguished themselves. They were fitted with special grooves which can interlock to build all kinds of lucky models. Yep, they just cut slots into just around the edges. And yeah, you could slot you them. You couldn't build No, you couldn't that. do a single thing. You slide them together, and what you then add was some of them slotted together. You couldn't build Half stuff a with circles, them. Circles one and ninety degrees to there is not there's no there's no activity you can perform by doing that you just it is physically the case that you can slot them together there's no reason my frame of reference for tazos the only times in my life that i have ever felt it necessary to bring up tazos Uh is in joking for yorkshireman style situations (laughs) with friends wherever they talk about oh they add pogs and they'll respond with luxury we had to make do with tazos that is what tazo was yeah do you know my prevailing memory of tazos has been denied by this here because it's that you had to get all of the what's it fluff off you had to get the little flex all off the outside because they came in a they came in the bag of crisps in a yes. little plastic little plastic bag little yes. plastic bag which would be covered because i would i would eat a lot of what's it so they'd be covered in what's it dust and you would have to get that off and it'd be all over your hands but apparently they're not in what's it's according to this oh no they must have been in them later must have definitely must have. or earlier I won't, I won't i will brook no such nonsense <laughs> they were definitely in they were in what's it's not yeah Tazos come in 50 designs with varying po- varying points values. Oh my god. And there's a special golden Tazo worth a massive £100,000. Oh yeah. You know what? That is a lot of, that was a lot of money. That's a, a lot of money. I'd now. have it now. Yeah. yeah. That's a, I'd forgotten that aspect of it. Yes, there was a competition element. You were buying as many bags of what's it as you could so that you could be rich. And in the meantime, I'll slot these circles together, I suppose. <laughs> There's people now who say these were better. They're like, oh no, Tazos were the best, were the best. And do you know why they say that? It's because I'm pretty sure that shortly after this, I think there was an era when they had footballers on them as well. Oh, I didn't, well, it could well be. It says on Wikipedia that there have been many, many different Tazo series over the years, including, most recently listed on Wikipedia, a Pac-Man series that was available somewhere oh. in the world in 2020. Oh, what? Sorry, Tazos? Tazos? Not just someone making circles. Tazos were Tazos made in 2020. Yeah. By Walker. Still kicking about out there in the world somewhere. I mean, to be fair, like. They're international. You have to understand that just because we thought there were a load of old shit over here. I mean, I did. And they just came in too late. I thought they were a load of old shit compared to Pogs. But they did take off in a big way. Kids at my school were collecting them. And I think 
they were collecting them when pogs were in the distance. Well, Tazor, they were a little different, as I recall. Because I, if I remember them right, and even just looking at the pictures of them here, mm-hmm. I think they were thinner. Yes. And made of a slightly sturdier substance. Oh, really? Like they maybe had a coat or something well, on pogs them. Well, pogs had a coat get, so, so that the clipped together stuff would work. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, because otherwise you just those would just fold and snap off yeah, straight away. Exactly, yeah. Do you know, actually, I've just had a little sense of memory. I think that's what I used to do. I used to get my Tazo out and just fold them down. Your one Tazo. Get my ta- <laughs> well, out of me one bag of crisps and I'd fold it. <laughs> just fold down alternating teeth and then see if I could snap them off or whatever. Walkers are giving away 250 million Tazos, hey. which is the equivalent of 25 Tazos for every child in the UK. Uh-huh. So get ready to start collecting. By entering the following competition, one lucky reader can win a trip for themselves plus one parent or guardian with United Vacations to include flight, car hire, and mm. accommodation for California. Stick that in your glue hole, you hoo <laughs> Yeah. If the two compos going on here, like... There's an asterisk there. There's an asterisk. So there are a few conditions, but they seem quite good. The holiday lasts for seven days. That's fine. Yeah. And it includes car hire, self-catering accommodation. So you got to okay. feed yourself while you you're over feed, there. That's fine. Right. I mean, just take a lot of watsits with you. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, any free watsits. Yeah, it's a bit cheeky them not to send you with a, with a week's worth of crisps, isn't it? And return flights with United Airlines. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Outbound travel must be completed by the 30th of December, 96. Outbound? So they're not even letting you come back next year. To win, you simply name three of the Looney Tunes characters which appear on the Tazos. And, in less than 20 words, say what you'd build and why. A load of Tazos slotted together. Yeah, that's all it ever would be because you can build, build nothing. They build at one angle and yeah. one angle only. And the answer of why is because... That's what you do with them. It's lunchtime and everyone in the canteen has got one Tazo, so we're just sticking Plug them together. Like, together. Yeah. What are you going to do? Like, I don't think anyone ever... Because the thing about Pogs, right? They weren't just collectible circles. It was ostensibly a game where you stacked them up, hit them with the slammer slash keeny, and depending on which ones go which way up, you win them or whatever. I don't remember anyone ever playing... With Tazos, I'm sure well, they notionally, did, but... that is the purpose of them as well. Because if you look at that one photograph there, you can see the slammer. What? That one there, that one, that that plastic star shape. That is the slammer. Oh my god! Do you know what? It, it comes as news to me that there were Tazo slammers at all. I don't think I've ever seen one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where you'd get it. No, you didn't get them in a bag of crisps. Maybe you'd have to send away for it or something because you're not going to get that in the bag. But. Like, like these are milk caps, so that is the purpose of them yeah. is to play the game yeah, with yeah. them, you know. But Tazos have added this little extra interactive feature to distinguish themselves from their superior competition. I thought it was that you had to kick a bottle. Yeah, that's what you have to do you have to kick a bag of crisps <laughs> and send. <laughs> I could kick a bag of crisps pretty far. Send the French fries spilling out all over the floor and see where the Tazo ends up. So if you're presented with the choice of a pack of Walker's crisps, Doritos, Quavers, Monster Muncher, French fries, which one are you going for? Walker's crisps, Doritos, Quavers, Monster Muncher, French fries. Out of them, because my answer is what's it? Uh, that was my 1996 answer, by the way. At the time, I'd have said Doritos. Now, because they were foreign and unusual and only just coming in. Yeah. Now I would say, I think you want me to say Monster Munch. I don't want you to say anything, Dave. Say what's in your heart. But I think it. There is a right answer, but. <laughs> I think it's just standard crisps. I think if I'm having, if I'm picking one of them, I think it's just standard Walker's crisps. Unless I'm allowed the big bag of dipping Doritos and a and a tub of dip. Jesus, come on, Dave. This is for your lunch. Yeah, I've had those <laughs> with my lunch before. Not for with my your lunch. lunch or for your lunch. With my lunch, and I've had, <laughs> and every time I have 
far too many of them, and I'm very unhappy for the rest of the afternoon. I would see. I can eat a whole bag of those in one go and feel fine. That's the difference between you and me. What? <laughs> That's un- okay, fine. Well, you're taller. You've got more space. That's it. Hollow <laughs> legs. The correct answer was Monster Munch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> but only if it's the beef flavour. That's the thing. I can only ever find the pickled onion ones. I don't want them. That was the way for the longest time. And then beef came back and it was a very exciting time. I've got a big bag of beef ones downstairs right now. I'm going to eat bag later. Of beef. Oh, so they're still back? Oh, yeah. Oh, I might go and pick some up then. Hey. If you can find them. What? what a, I'm getting mixed messages off you now. You're confusing me at this stage. Well, you, you've you just told me. You said you can't find them. So I'm like, if you can find them, but I just go down to the pound shop on the corner and there are bags and bags. It's possible that I haven't looked properly. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be like you, Dave, to say that something was impossible on the basis that you'd never really tried. <laughs> <laughs> that I've never thought about it. Or yeah, there was a lovely time when I was in Asda. Exciting, engaging, profound. It's time for your content. Dave's interesting stories. I was in Asda, and a family were pushing along a trolley with a little baby girl in the seat bit of the trolley. And they were deciding what crisps to buy. And she pointed and she went, I want the one with a rabbit on. And the rabbit was the Monster Monster Monster. Monster. Didn't even have ears. Nothing about it was a rabbit. I seem to remember there was a time when that monster dressed up like a rabbit. Yes, I think there was as well. I can picture him hopping up and down with at least a basket. But that wasn't the case on this occasion. Must have been a commercial. Oh, reincarnated child. Yeah, exactly. Knows from the past. Came back from the 90s to warn us. And the information that she knows about is one Monster Munch advert. Well done, reincarnation. You did well. (laughs) As for the three Looney Tunes characters that appear, or three of the Looney Tunes characters, I guess you could technically name anybody because who knows really but you can conclude from the advert here at the very least that Taz, Bugs Bunny and Pepe, Pepe Le, Pew Le Pew yeah, you can them. see him right there you can see him in the photo Yeah. but presumably you'd be pretty safe naming just about anybody but you can't really make anything else out in the picture can you? not really You're probably safe but anyway you send your response on a postcard to and this is how you can tell this hasn't been well copy edited oh, yeah. to the Buster Tasso <gasps> competition. Oh, wow. I'm amazed you missed it, Dave. I totally to missed it. Tavistock Place. So this is a Fleetway <laughs> competition. Yes. But it's been uh, labelled Buster instead of STC. Buster being Dave's favourite comic yeah. at the time, which was uh, also published by Fleetway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, apart from STC, obviously. Maybe, maybe well. they were on equal footing by yeah, this stage. Man. Yes, um, that is fascinating. And it makes me wonder if, theoretically a different advertiser was unavailable for this issue. Would they have been within their right? Did the competition that the Walkers people have organised allow them to print it in any comic they wanted? Probably. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to say yes. (laughs) Thank you. And we can move on. (laughs) Fox on the Run, part three. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by Mike Hadley, and letters by Steve Potter. Tails and Tantrum are snatched out of the air moments before their lava bath by a pair of grabber badniks, but are able to get away when the two robots start arguing over the best way to eat them. The pair start climbing a shaft up to the surface, but Tantrum trips a trap that starts the walls closing in, requiring Tails to move fast and fly them the rest of the way, only to find flea bite waiting for them up top this is good i'm, yeah, I'm really good. enjoying this yeah. tale story it's yeah. it's just a sequence of things but it's fun and it's nice that tales is having a sequence of things adventure it is 
I mean, I did do a little bit of a double take uh-huh. whenever the grabbers started arguing about how to eat tails and tantrum because uh-huh. they're robots. They're not spiders. That's not what <laughs> bandits do. But it's very loose string. It, well, it's it, yeah, and it's what those early days bandits might have done. And I guess they've reintroduced this issue, so why not? Why not? <laughs> right, let's wrap them up in a web cocoon and suck their juicy bits out. Oh, no, no. The traditional way is to eat them and then put the leftovers in a web cocoon for another day. Rubbish. Trap them and wrap them, I say. God's wallop. Eat the best and save the rest. Oh, it looks like neither of us is going to get what we want. Well, we were arguing they've legged it. Uh, looks like cavern mould and fungus for dinner again, then. <laughs> That's just funny. <laughs> I love how strappy that one in the front is, too, with his eight arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's hard to draw two arms folded, let alone eight. Oh, actually, he's got away with just drawing four. <laughs> yes, it's cut off at the waist. Do spiders have waists? I don't know. <laughs> Good fun. And then there's this nice little bit where their tails and tantrum are running on through the caves and tantrums living up to his name. Don't want to rest. Want to go home. Take me home. And tails hushes him. This lovely little panel. I love this little panel here where tails just puts a hand on his shoulder and Mm. says, look, tantrum, I will get you home, but you do have a habit of getting us into danger. And so you're the hero. You should know how to get us out of danger. Well, it's not always that simple. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, you can do it, Tails. You can save us from anything. And then Tails thinks to himself, one minute he's whining and the next minute he's praising me with hero worship. I wonder if that's how I sound to Sonic. (laughs) And that's good. Like, that's really just a single little panel moment of introspection. These are the kinds of beats Uh that Tails should have been having on his solo adventures from the moment they started telling these stories. We thought whenever Stringer wrote those first two Amy stories, which ended Mm -hmm. with her being left alone, having an adventure, and then pretending to the boys like nothing had happened when they came back, we thought that's what a solo Tails story might have better ended up as. Nah, this is so much better than that. This is... Actually pairing him up with another even littler dude and then making him be the kind of annoyed bigger brother to this guy. That's it. I never, in the previous issues of this story, it never occurred to me that Tantrum is kind of a Tails proxy for Tails. I didn't get that. And it's brilliant. What a good story for Tails to do. And yeah, you're right. It should have been one of the first ideas anybody had. But instead, knights and goblins and sheep. And although he's, like, presented as long-suffering in this adventure, it's like, oh, no, another... I can't believe I wound up in this situation. What am I going to do? It's not framed as this sort of pathetic weed who's in over his head like all the other tale stories I've gone for, you know. This is the kind of tale story we should always have been getting as tale solo adventures. And it makes me really look forward to seeing what else... Stringer has up his sleeve for future tale stories. It's interesting to wonder because uh, this is this is where we are now with the comics. Like I was saying, back in Knuckles, no idea what's going on on Loving It. Don't know where we're going next. But it's great to see that through line running through Knuckles, where Kitching is like, right. So everything that Knuckles is about is about the mysteries of the floating island. How do we thread that needle? 
Never have mm. to actually solve that question, but weave Knuckles' stories around it. What do we do with Tails? I don't know. Where will Stringer go next? Mm. Is this used as a springboard to just start him on, on a general path of having adventures? Or does he follow some kind of journey himself? I don't know. Is this what doing this podcast has been yes, like to you for three it years? It is. It's great. Whereas I remember all the stuff that happened by and large. And now I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and this bit where Tails sort of concludes that based on the badniks they found, these underground caves or robotniks work. I thought maybe for a second they were the mystic caves, but I don't think there were grabbers in the mystic caves. Because oh, okay. there, there were Crawltons, which mm. was the badnik they came up against last episode. But... Uh, I don't think there are grabbers in the Mystic Caves. Well, of course, you allow a certain amount of license because he needed a robot that grabs, and that does that. Yes, but then they're, they're climbing up this shaft, and then Trantrum steps on a button in the wall, and then the walls start closing in, Tails tries to push them apart. Then you get this great bit where he grabs Trantrum and whew, flies up, and you see Tantrum's nose scraping the wall. Yeah. <laughs> great panel with the speed lines uh-huh. zooming up, and then they make it up top, and then there's Fleabite. Do you have the um, the odd little coloured dots? Second to last panel of the second to last page. Yeah, yeah. They're there, all right. Yeah. It's almost as if Tantrum is looking at them specifically, but of course he's not. <laughs> yeah, almost. I wonder what they are. They're so uniform, that's probably some sort of colour guide, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like, doesn't it? it? snuck oh, on well. there. That's magenta, cyan, black, printed over yellow. Yeah, some little printing gaff there. And as it happens, actually, my copy of this issue is another badly printed one. Do you remember that time when I showed you that the, the charts and the control zone was all streaked? Yes. It's like that again. Look, hang on. Oh, um, uh, yeah. yeah. Rubbish. Yeah. No, not on this copy, all right. Yeah, that is a unique to you know, uh, instance. Well, we didn't have much luck, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Next issue, it says here, Tales End. So I guess that's the last chapter of this current run of Tales stories. And then I now I wonder, I sit here, I don't know. Does Tales just go on being a regular feature or does something else come in? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Dave. <laughs> and I love not knowing. <laughs> But yeah, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, there's some great like images in this particular strip as well. Yeah, we pointed out last issue how nice that lava pool looked. And that shot there of the grabbers going back across their lines over mm. the lava pool on page two. That looks great. This uh, chapter really brought into focus what the strip is doing. You know, I, I was already enjoying yeah. the way it was giving Tails his own adventure without yeah. it relying on any of the strange choices the previous Tails strips had. But this one brought into focus, it was like, oh yeah, they've made him be the bigger brother character to some little dork. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And here's Fleabite coming back now at the end to, uh, to to tie things off. And we'll see how he uh, see how that unfolds, how he takes on Fleabite. Will, will Tantrum help him take Fleabite out? Will he triumph over him on his own? Will it require a team-up? We will see. Do you know the one thing that I feel like I can confidently say, and keeping up this run of strong predictions that we have going on so far, (laughs) is that Sonic's not just going to show up and bop him in the back of the head, which you could have imagined happening in the final chapter of other Tales stories. You know, where Tales returns from the adventure he's been on, and he's blindsided by a baddie, and then Sonic bops him in the head and goes, can't you do anything, pixel brain? And it was like, oh, but I've just been for the last... And I don't feel like that's the direction this story is going to take. (laughs) Let's see. Reader Requirements is the first letter. This one's from Matthew Barnes of Leicester. And he says, Dear Megadroid, could you please tell me if it's necessary to own a Sega system (laughs) in order to read your comic? (laughs) <laughs> oh, and he's a Super Nintendo owner. Oh, boo. Outrageous. I had <laughs> missed that part because I even gloss over. 
that is two very different questions, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All that's essential, Matthew, Megadroid replies, is an appreciation of mega artwork and good storytelling. Oh, and a sense of humor. That's that's not... The, I was going to say, sure, you didn't own a Sega system, Dave, and you read the comic, and that's all good. That's not the same thing as owning a Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, that's actively not, an, no. a member of the yeah. enemy camp, yeah. Yeah, you're not allowed in. Of course, I have to stop reading STC because I've just received a Game Boy for my birthday. Jesus. So I'm now a Nintendo owner. But you have a Mega Drive too by this point as well. So yes, it balances true. Up. It's a zero-sum game. Okay. And in fact, I don't know if one Mega Drive is equal to one Game Boy. I think a Game Boy is a half point at the most. Yeah, but next year I'll get myself a SNES. So I don't know. Mm, the balance maybe be tipped there. But then I yeah. buy a Dreamcast with my own money, so... Oh, well, that supersedes everything. You bought that's, that with your own money. That was the choice you made. That's the first console I bought. Yeah, so fine then. <laughs> yeah. Below that, James Day in Peterborough has got uh, a drawing sent in. And it is, again, Robotnik hatching out of an Easter egg. A very, very pink Robotnik yes. and a very, very pink Easter egg. And a very pink Sonic. Yes. Yeah. Oh, basically, this guy's got a new pink pen and he needs... All his other pens are starting to run out, so he's using this one. Yeah. So the egg is pink. Robotnik is coming out of it and he's got the top of the shell on his head. Very good. Very good detail. Well done, James And Day. the egg... The egg, right? Mm. It's all poo stinky. Poo stink, yes. And in the background, you got Tails and Grimer going, oh, poo stink. That's right. And oh, look at that. Grimer there, he's going, oh, poo stink. And he's got a bit of poo stink going right up his nose. Right up the nose. But Tails, Tails has got cartoon nose plugs on. Oh, that, I thought it was a clothes peg. Well, it may be, yes. But it, oh, yeah, to me, it, it looks more like yeah. it's got circles to go either side of the nose and then mm. the peg bit, which I think that's an actual nose peg. And in fact, look, the whole thing has been stretched vertically. They've done it Always. again. They're always doing it. Flipping, I get that there are certain spaces that you need to fit the art in, but, well, actually, I suppose there isn't really an alternative, but just stop it somehow. Yeah, just don't, Matt. Didn't have this problem back when there was five letters and they were all in a smaller font and you <laughs> had some respect. <laughs> and yes, an overly sunburnt Sonic is saying yuck. Oh, and also the egg says, Happy Easter STC, with sellotaped onto that a little label that says Rotten Egg Co., so I guess that's like an Easter egg, but you... They delivered it, I guess. To people, I guess. It's a picture again up next, this time a photograph of a Richard McCann in Liverpool, Merseyside. Oh, is that where Liverpool is? And uh, and it's a photo of him with all his Sonic stuff, as usual. Right, what stuff's he got? Well, it's more about the fact that he's got... Those are two Easter eggs, two right? Different two Easter different Sonic Easter eggs. Two different Sonic Easter eggs. So this is a picture from last year. Last year's Easter. He's got, in his right hand, he's got a Dairy Milk Sonic egg, which is a, a sort of a, a, a landscape format box with Sonic and Tails <laughs> on the front, and you can't really see the contents. No. But it's going to be two things. It's going to be an egg, and then, I don't know, can't tell what the other thing would be. Yeah, can't really see. It's not a mug. I don't, it might be a mug. Okay, so we don't know. We can't look that up. If you've got a picture stashed away anywhere of this Easter egg, and I know that sounds like a weird thing, but I've got pictures of the toothpaste boxes and stuff. Like, if you've got, if you've got it, show me. But in his left hand, he's got a very obvious one. It's one of those where you get a mug with an egg in it. So that's just Sonic Some brand. Some kind of bespoke Sonic branded egg, yes. Oh, and look, it might be a Sonic 3 branded one, because look, the mug has on it an illustration of the special zone yep. from Sonic 3. White and red squares with a, a bumper. Yeah. 
behind him he's got loads of posters that have been pulled out of yeah. a, a STC or poster mag posters all sorts of things he's got the one we really liked where it's a falling over Christmas yeah, tree that's from the and Christmas issue there's I recognise that one with uh, Sonic and Tails running along there that's a Casanova's isn't it it is it's got the Sonic okay. Spinball poster up there anyway um, and then down alongside him he's got all his STCs fanned out you can't quite see them they're all laying flat but they are there He's got Sonic socks. Yeah, but not wearing them. No, we're not wearing them. Lying, lying on his legs. He's just laid them out. Sonic bubble bath. I'm sure that's a bubble bath container, right? That's the yes. Sonic bubble bath, yes. And a Sonic shirt on him as well. And am I missing anything? What's that? Is that a Sonic school bag off to the right there? Yes, I think it is, isn't it? And off to the left. That's the spinball game box, I think. Oh, yes. So it is. The fact that he's got his Sonic socks not on his feet mm. and he's got shoes on his feet makes me think they must be Sonic, Sonic shoes. shoes. But there's yeah. no real evidence of that. No, though. you can't tell. <laughs> I don't remember there being Sonic shoes. Write in if you had Sonic shoes. <laughs> Underneath that, there's a letter from Keith Miller in Woking, Surrey, who says he disagrees with Peter Hurd. Peter mm. Hurd wrote a letter back in issue 69 where he thought that STC was going downhill. Well, well, Keith Miller says, I thought, hey, dude, get a brain transplant. Oh, that sassy little Keith. STC is great. <laughs> wow, he, sat, he just sat there quipping, didn't he? Hey, dude. Yeah. That's what he said. That's what he said to himself. And he did a little wink and he did a little pose where he kind of like put one hand on his hip. Um, <laughs> Megadroid says, my pleasure circuits were given a massive boost. But this actually comes across as quite genuine. I yes, think. I think so. My pleasure circuits were given a massive boost by the amount of boomers who rushed to STC's defence. I believe that had I been a Hume, I'd have been overcome by emotion. Bless. That's nice. I do believe I believe that. that. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. I believe they got a bunch of letters saying that guy was a prick. <laughs> Last letter on the page, uh, Wish I Was There, they've captioned it. This is from James McDermott in King's Winford. And he says, Dear Megadroid, I love your Sega-sational mag and would like to know more about the planet Mobius. Please could you give me the exact location as I'd arrange to meet up with Sonic and the gang for my holiday. Aww. And Megadroid says, But James, how do I know you're not one of Dr. Robotnik's agents trying to find Sonic's secret hideout? How? How do we know? And so you can write in to them or to stc at eggmont.co.uk yes that's their new email address feels like it's being given yeah. a slightly larger pride of place this issue because they changed it last issue yes but of course you can't write to either of those addresses anymore no. but you can write to stctpodcast at gmail.com and you can be in our mailbag and we've got a couple it's your letters it's your letters it's your letters it's your letters We've got one here. This is a very short one. Short and sweet. Always good. Uh, it's This is from somebody called Fun2Building, uh, titled, I just thought this was funny. While listening to you guys bullying turn-based Japanese strategy role-playing games... <laughs> the, that's absolutely what they deserve. If they didn't want to get bullied, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was several hours deep into a session of Fire Emblem 1 for the NES on the Switch. Just, you know, good timing. I don't know. Keep up the fun Blue Mammal podcast... Also, watch Ultraman Z. It's good. It won a Saiyan Award. <laughs> and and they've written award. It stops in the middle with a dash like they've been yanked off stage. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Fun Did we have a go at Ultraman at some point? I don't remember mentioning Ultraman on the show before. Here's another one from Boomer Gareth from Essex, who says, Dear Humes who think they're in charge, 
I'm a fairly new listener to your podcast and I'm loving it. Hey, yes, new listeners, the they're still coming. <laughs> I'm listening as fast as I can, but I still have a long way to catch up. I realise you must have already covered this. But even so, I wanted to share my STC story with you. Well, probably haven't covered it then. I don't know who you are. Never know. <laughs> I Yeah, if, imagine if we have covered Boomer Gareth's from Essex's story. That'd be creepy. Yeah. Unless he's got a letter or something in and we've done it already. Oh, let's find out. Well, oh, I've just noticed the title of this is A Boomer Who Dreamed of STC Q-Zone Immortality. Oh, okay. So let's all right, see. All right, okay. Let's all right, see. Let's find out then. I used to enjoy video recording the arcade action from my Mega Drive. <laughs> I like the cut of this kid, Jim. <laughs> Firstly, because he writes like Megadroid, the arcade action from my Mega Drive. And secondly, I also, well, I'll tell you this in a minute. To continue with the letter... I would use any VHS tape I could find to capture footage from the handful of mediocre games that made up my collection. I was quite proud of this advanced knowledge as it seemed like some kind of impossible science fiction to me at the time. Agreed. Well, as it happens, and this is me, Dave, now, not me reading the letter, I digitised a video just yesterday, one of my old videos, which I discovered ends with a something like three quarter of an hour playthrough of Fantastic Dizzy on the Mega Drive. So evidently I was doing the same thing. Um... I was also a fairly skilled Sonic 3 and Knuckles player, probably because these were the best games I owned. They're just the best game, you know, what you own. They're They're the best, the best game. game. Yeah. When I read in issue 50 of STC that Megadroid would like to hear from any boomers who managed to get to Sonic 3 and Knuckles' secret doomsday zone with proof, uh... no less, I was really excited and jumped at the chance to have my two greatest life skills recognised by my favourite comic. So I snatched a tape from the living room that no doubt had my dad's as yet unwatched Inspector Morse episodes on it <laughs> and set about recording my perfect playthrough. Mum posted the video evidence to Ooh. the STC offices and all that was left to do was wait, secure in the knowledge that providing a VHS tape as proof would make an unforgettable impression and also practically assured me of fame and recognition. Issue after issue came and went until number 56 arrived. And to my excitement, the Q-Zone contained the Doomsday Zone section I'd been anticipating. My eyes expectantly scanned it, only to find not just one single name, but a list of names, all credited with reaching the fabled zone. And then to make things worse, mine was not among them! Ah! To further add... I, I did my loudest shout too soon. To further add to the betrayal I felt. I was certain that the pinpoint accurate step-by-step description of how to beat the zone could only have come from repeated viewings of my video (laughs) evidence. No, but didn't we think there was something off about it? Didn't we think there was something a bit specific and we were going like, oh, that sounds like that's the particular way this writer did it. I, I, I can't remember what he said. I know what it was. I don't want to, no, I know what it was. It was, oh, hang on. I don't know exactly what it was, but I know the basic flavor of it. It was like... We were criticising them for saying that you had to do you had to do this and then you had to do that. And we were like, no, you don't have to do that. You can go in any zone or whatever. Yes, I looked it up. Um, the original Q-Zone. This, this was whenever they made the claim that you had to plug Sonic 3 into Sonic & Knuckles to get the Doomsday Zone. Ah, uh, you didn't. You could right. just get it on Sonic & Knuckles. That was it. Yeah. So then it might be from this video. So if Gareth sent in a video that was specifically of him playing Sonic 3 and Knuckles, as mm. he said it was, and it was the whole thing... Indeed, that could have led to the misinformation, to the idea that you had to put the two together when you did not. I think this kid might be onto something. I say kid. He was a kid. I'm talking about 26 years ago. Um, So I just had to accept it. My brilliance at Sonic games and VHS recording would go on 
recognised. But is there a twist in this tale, dude? There is. Several months passed when, to my complete surprise, I received a letter. It was from none other than STC's own Megadroid, congratulating me on my Doomsday Zone achievement. He went on to mention that there had been hundreds of submissions aside from my own, some also providing videotapes, which I sincerely doubted. (laughs) And as a gesture of thanks, he was including a Sonic the Comic badge. Yes, not available since issue two. And there was no badge. Oh, come on! (laughs) Maybe it had fallen from Megadroid's clumsy metal fingers, but it was nowhere to be found in the envelope. Oh my god, what a saga of disappointment (laughs) and enragement. Is enragement a word? I'm so enraged I don't even care. However, any disappointment I felt at a missing badge was outweighed by having simply received this special letter. I suppose. And he's included a scan of the letter. (gasps) We can see what an STC letter looks like. Show me! So first off, we've got the old Sonic the Comic triangle logo, top left corner. Lovely. It all seems to be written in quite a Martin Adams title font. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Doesn't it look like that font? The And the Silicon Warriors, that font. The one that I had to dig out to Photoshop Tails Gets Trond. (laughs) That's just, yeah, that's just the old computery font from back then. (laughs) It's a, yes, it's a basic font that I already had installed because it comes with Windows. Dear Boomer Gareth, congratulations for having found the solution to the Doom Doomsday Zone in Sonic and Knuckles. Hundreds of other boomers wrote in and sent videos or photos of how to reach that very tricky D-Zone. For your efforts, please find enclosed a Sonic badge. <laughs> Hell, it does say it! Not seen since <laughs> STC2, which you can wear with pride. Best wishes, Megadroid. And there he is, offering his hand for a little high five. Can't believe it's still doing that not seen since issue I two. I know! It's been seen in quite a few places since issue two. It's been flipping seen all over the place, yeah. <laughs> and that is the 6th of September 1995, that is lovely. Tremendous. Oh, oh what a great nice. piece of archival material. Exactly. Lovely. Brilliant. So Gareth signs off by saying, I'd forgotten about all of this. Until I started listening to your podcast, I remembered that I still have this letter tucked away, which I have scanned and attached for your enjoyment. Thanks to you both for an excellent podcast. It's bringing back great memories of what it was like to be a Sega kid in 90s Britain. Boomer Gareth, Essex, Mega Drive 1 and Mega CD 2 owner. P.S. On an unrelated topic, the popular boy in my class at school would say... Metropolis Zone when talking about the stage from Sonic 2. I corrected him on a number of occasions, but he never accepted it. He used to bug the hell out of me. I realise such pedantry is silly, but mispronunciations used to get me real steamed. No, you're right. Chris says Hydro City. So you That's know, what I was about to say, because if you want to talk about <laughs> mispronounced zone names, Metropolis <laughs> and Hydrocity are exactly <laughs> on par. <laughs> the Metropolis Zone. <laughs> Next issue. Pig's here! Yeah, as in pig's here, but also pig is here. Yeah, pig is here. Pig's ear, apostrophe E-R-E. Do you get it? Because it's a a picture of Porker. There he is. Pig's ear. Like a pig's ear. Oh, you want to talk about bringing a joke full circle? Just the perfect <laughs> comedic timing of Sonic the Comic the Podcast? Oh, that's a new Sonic story that's coming up. But also, Knuckles, slave ship. Tails, all tied up. Shining Force, assault. Pin up, Spike's bad nick. Oh, Have we already Jesus. had that? No, that's a Spike-er. Oh, oh I beg pardon. 
I know. Exactly. The spikes <laughs> are those purple and yellow ones oh, the, from the, the spring. Oh, the snaily looking zone. fellas. Yeah, it's mm. fair enough. Uh, hermit crabs, I think, aren't they? Oh, they yes. And you've told me that before. <laughs> Have I? I don't know. I don't remember. Yes, because I said snail before. Graphic zone. Eccentrically English. Okay. I do not know what to make of that one unless it's just going to be a load of Sonic characters in like bowler hats and monocles. Bowler hats and briefcases and things, yeah. And a Q-Zone Echo 1 special. Uh, do, do not expect us to really cover that. Unless, the, you never know the, if it's not just a list of passwords. You never do know. Well, you'll find out in two weeks because STC number 76 is on sale Saturday the 13th of April, 96 at £1.20. So when you're looking for that issue, you will find it most places good podcasts are available. But as always, you can download it directly, directly in the form of an individual file that you can store <laughs> on your personal device to take wherever you wish from stctp.wigglehe.com. Yeah, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter. It is at Sonic Podcast. Yep. No more embellishments or adornments than that. <laughs> Sonic podcast. And you can find us separately there. I'm Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeely. And we're both on YouTube under those names as well. Dave's on Twitch. You'll be on there twitching away at it. That's right. And there wouldn't be a podcast if we couldn't convince you to support us via Patreon because we just have to stop and get jobs. That is patreon.com forward slash STCTP. If you go there, you will find goodies. We don't just expect money for nothing, you know. I mean, it's this is it's not nothing because you get this, but also you get exclusive content. You get videos once every two weeks. You get a video on the on the weekends, you know, between episodes of this. Once a month, you'll see us discuss a chapter of one of the Martin Adams Sonic novels that came out during the first year of Sonic the Comic and were some of our cherished early memories and some of the first Sonic stories ever written. And then another times, it's like the literal opposite of that happens some of the worst sonic <laughs> memories i've ever had are foisted upon me when i was a boy i wrote what i thought was the be all end all final sonic saga the epic story of the end of mobius which i am reading to chris every couple of weeks over on the patreon and we're doing it on video so you can see his face if you've been waiting <laughs> like to maybe sponsor it and watch it all at once it's kind of time to do that because you're going to be seeing the final oh, episodes oh that's a lot of content though that's got to be like oh, yeah. That's got to be nearly 20 hours of content or something. Oh, God, something like. And that's just Chris's cringing face that you can watch for all of that time. You can make looping GIFs of it, and that you can make that your lock screen. Um, <laughs> that's available on... I just got an exclusive cringing face there that you don't get to see. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com forward slash STCTP. Go and put down a pound coin or more. Put down more. Put down more. Our opening theme song is called Synchronize. It's by a band named Sonic the Comic. You yes. can find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we are a podcast called Sonic the Comic, <laughs> the podcast. And we will see you next, next time. time. Do you want to take that from the top to make it more coherent? or? <laughs>